Here is Guy Haberman and John Middlecoff on their podcast, Haberman and Middlecoff. So is this going to be the 2022 Super Bowl or the 2021 Super Bowl? I always consider it the 21 season, 22 Super Bowl. But I fuck, I don't. I okay. never know this. I'm not Derek Pop. I never even know the Super Bowl numbers. The number, yeah, it's like Super Bowl 13. Who played that? Derek Papa knows the answer to that question. Yeah, um, He'll, guy, he knows the scores, doesn't he? And the scores. That's right. Any Super Bowl, it's really an incredible talent. An incredible talent. Derek Papa is such a fucking nerd. He would always try to impress us with his football knowledge. It was like, okay, Derek, that's enough. We get it, your dad locked you in a basement as a kid and forced you to watch NFL films. It's really an incredible talent. An incredible talent. What Guy really wanted to say was, it's incredibly sad. Incredibly sad. I can tell you how many times Derek tried to pick up women with a line, Hey ladies, do guys who remember Super Bowl scores turn you on? you feel comfortable with Trey Lance going forward as the starting quarterback for the 49ers over Mac Jones? Ooh, that's a good question. I was just thinking before we started this, if Mac Jones had been the Niners quarterback this year, what would it have looked like? But what do you think? I think they would be in the same position because Jimmy would not be on the roster. He'd probably be in New England. And Mac Jones would be the starting quarterback in the get-go for the Niners. Yeah, well, if I agree with that. The question is, would they be, like, would they be in the same position here in the playoffs? I think so. Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. Everyone these days has an opinion. Butthole or podcast. And all of them stink. Except for this one. Welcome to Just Your Opinion, Man, with Stephen Langford and Derek Papa. What is going on, everybody? Just your opinion, man. Jared Papa, Alon DeSafe, going in for Stephen Lang for today. What's going on, Alon? Not much. Just uh, hanging out, trying to get over uh, whatever little bugaboo I have, whether it's COVID or cold or flu or whatever. So, anyway, I feel okay, though. You you all good? You all good? Yeah, I feel good. I feel okay. I'm feeling good. I've been hydrating and like turning the thermostat up to 80 degrees. So, I mean, it's it's nice in here. Well, I I hope it's not COVID, and I hope you feel good, man. But uh, thanks, th- th- thanks for uh, for powering through today. Yeah, I'm vaccinated. I'm immunized, like Rogers. Well, yeah, well, yeah, well, you for for real though. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, we got a jam packed show today. Um, and you know we got a uh, playoff games to preview, a lot of stuff to talk about. Uh, got a great interview with Guy Haberman that I want to play for everybody. First time we're going to play an interview live on the stream, so uh, you catch it here live on the stream or on the podcast. But before we get to the show, uh, I wanted to acknowledge something, um, and this is uh, sad and difficult to talk about. But before we started doing the podcast, um, obviously Stephen Langford is not with us, and Steven's, Steven's been my buddy for a long time, and he was nice enough to agree to do this podcast with me for however many months now, and I thank him for that i know he's a busy man working on the morning show and he's been taking some time off and um he just let it be known to everybody um on instagram that uh his father vic langford unfortunately passed away a couple days ago and um we're thinking of steven um i love you man 
And when you're ready to come back on the podcast and talk about it yourself, uh, we'll have you then. But uh, we're thinking about Stephen and his, uh, his family today. And there's no easy way to transition from that to sports. So let's just get right into it, Elon. Um, are you a fan of mascots? Yeah, sure. I think a lot of the mascots in the NFL are pretty whack, but yeah, in college, for sure. Or in baseball. Baseball mascots are great. What about mascots when there's nobody in the audience and they're just there to throw like something at the opposing team? I'm not a, I'm not a huge fan of that. Well, I'd neither, be pretty pissed neither, if I was a player. Neither is Devin Booker, who – did you see this the other night? Devin Booker was so – put off so he's at the free throw line it's the sun's playing in toronto they have no fans in attendance for what's going on in toronto oh, in the okay, whole, yep. whole country of canada and the raptors like mascot is like throwing off devin booker there's nobody there so the mascot's there just for the hell of it so he can just see the mascot because no yes. one else is in the crowd well yeah there's no, no else, crowd there's, there's no crowd the mascot's doing his thing and he actually goes to the official while he's shooting free throws and says hey can we remove the mascot and like so there's nobody here and the official was like yeah told the the mascot to hit the bricks and yeah the mascot was just doing his job and Devin booker tells him to, to beat it now i understand okay. it's kind of so, stupid i don't like that now now yeah. I've, I've reversed that that's stupid sorry Devin, you need to deal with it exactly 100 percent. because i get it it's kind of stupid mascot for there with nobody in the crowd makes no sense but uh, it's their home court. They could do whatever the hell they want. If they have yeah. a dinosaur dancing in the stands for the hell of it, that's their right to do. David Booker doesn't have the right to be like, hey, get out of here. You're distracting me. Yeah, sh- shouldn't it still be a home court advantage even 100%. if there's no fans? It's not yeah. like they were pumping you know, outrageous sounds while he's you know at the free free throw. It's just a guy. It's, it's just, sorry, he could focus on it more this time because it's just one dude there. Exactly. And like in the bubble, weren't they playing uh, crowd yeah. noise when they were in game? So They were. On. It doesn't. You know what? This is more of these some of these NBA players like really like, hey, no, this is not. I'm like, dude, you're good enough. For your, Devin Booker, you're good enough for your job to make a free throw with someone distracting you, right? Yeah, I saw that the other night. I thought that was something goofy that we could talk about. But um, let's get right into it, Alon. Uh, the playoffs, wild card playoffs. weekend, super wild card weekend. They're talking about it. Yeah, super. Because there's a game on Monday. There's a game on Monday. There's six games total, and. It's going to be interesting, man. We got the Raiders and the Niners in the playoffs together for the first time since 2002. Yep. And they're both playing on Wild Card Weekend. And it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun for the whole Bay Area. I know that <coughs> the Raiders are no longer in the Bay Area. Um, but the ratings did pretty well. Like, I want to say the Raider game on Sunday night got like a 12. And Clay's return got like a 14. So it, it was pretty close. It was pretty close. that Clay's return got a 14 in the Bay yeah. Area? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's huge. Well, it's a big deal. And then, of course, the Niner game just blew both of them out of the water. But, uh, yeah, it's fun for the whole Bay Area, what's going on right now with both teams. There's still, you know, diehard Raider fans in the Bay Area. So how do you consume, you know, like I know obviously you'll be watching the Raider game on, on Saturday, and that's the first game on the slate. But as far as just like consuming all the wild card games, like how do you usually watch – playoff games you usually go to the sports book because you live in nevada or you stay at home um, or you go to a bar sometimes i'll go to a sports book it depends like right now since i'm not feeling too well probably just gonna watch them here obviously don't wanna, that's probably for the best don't want to infect anybody but it, it all depends like 
Bars not – if it was just maybe one game, I might go to a bar. But to sit in a sports book or a bar or something like that for three, four games, or, you know, two games, three games in a row, it's just a lot. So I'll probably just watch it here. And, you know, I have a nice TV, so it looks – everything looks good. But it is going to be interesting with – Obviously Saturday, Sunday, but then the Monday game. Um, yeah, Mon- Mon- the Monday really playoff weird. game on a, on a holiday, Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Yeah, um, yeah, it's gonna be it's weird. Just, it's everybody's gonna have the day off, so I mean, I, good for them for booking it on that day. But like, it's it is really weird though, right? Oh, a it Monday, is. a Monday playoff game. I mean, it's unprecedented. I'm trying to think, there, no, I don't think there's ever been a Monday. Um, has there ever been one delayed to a Monday? No, not to my no. knowledge. Um, so, first time. Yeah, and we only had uh, the Raiders and Patriots. Uh, that was the first primetime playoff game 20 years ago with the tuck rule. Tuck rule, so yeah. We, we're used to having playoff football and early windows and all that stuff, and it's only until recently that things have changed. All right, so how do you, so yeah, that's what I'll probably do. I'll just probably watch it here. And, uh, but sometimes I go to a book and watch a game. I think the book is way more fun during the regular season when there's so many different games yeah. going on at once, especially if you don't, not a board better and you, you put your bets in on like Wednesday or whatever. So then you just go to watch everything. But like, how do you, how do you watch the playoffs, Derek? Obviously, you, I know you, I know you'll be working one or two, yeah. but how would you normally do it if you weren't working at NFL Network? Uh, you know, uh, I it's weird. Like, I, I never know if I want to watch at home and listen to everything and listen to the announcers and get all that stuff. My my dad's big on that. Like, <clears throat> in years past, when I was working at ninety five seven, the game, we would always watch the playoffs at home, or uh, unless there was a day where we like we got we got to go to Ricky's. And yeah, I mean, yeah. You, you you've been to Ricky's. Ricky's, yep. Unfortunately, closing down in San Leandro. Love oh, that. Is that place. true? Closing. I don't know if it's officially closed. Obviously, Ricky passed wow. away a yeah. couple years ago um, or a year ago. Um, but, yeah, that, that was the spot. We usually used to get people together from the station and go watch playoff games there. It was, it was a blast. Um, but, yeah, like, you know, I'm kind of glad I'm working because I get to focus on the game. And I'll be working on other stuff while the games are going on. But I, I'm basically focused in watching, you know, one playoff game at a time and, you know, listening to what's going on in the game, picking up all the storylines, what the announcers <laughs> are saying. Um, when you're at a bar, it's kind of hard, you know, it's like really hard. Yeah. And, yeah. but sometimes, but sometimes I like that. Like if, you know, like I remember being at Ricky's with Elena and our buddy, uh, Alexander Scott for when, uh, Case Keenum threw the <laughs> Minnesota miracle with tip with, uh, Stefan Diggs. Yep. And, uh, that was nuts there. It's always fun. Like when there's a big crazy thing happening, you're on your, when you're at a bar, um, cause you feel like you're like left out of like a big social gathering, but I do like watching at home and listening to everything and, you know, having my own reactions and being around friends that want to come over to the house. But, uh, yeah, bar work or whatever. It's always fun when the playoffs are on. I used to remember when working at uh, the station and, uh, like having to broadcast some of those playoff games cause we would carry some of them and then on Westwood one on Westwood one. And I would just like, be like, oh, God this sucks. Like, I don't want to listen to it on Westwood one. Not that, not that they had bad broadcasters. It was great, but well, sometimes you, you'd, you would, you put the TV on. I'd, right? I'd have I, the TV. I'd yeah. have the TV on. Yeah. But usually one was faster than the other. And usually Westwood one feed was a lot faster than the TV feed. Oh, so you get ruined for you. Yeah. So you'd, you'd hear Kevin Harlan, like saying, oh, no, 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 no. and then, and all of a sudden it's a touchdown. And you'd be like, yeah. well, how'd that happen? Yeah. And then you'd see, you'd see, you know, whoever it is score a touchdown. 
That's the worst thing about cutting radio <laughs> highlights is the radio is always faster than the TV feed, so you hear everything before you see it. Yeah, you hear everything before you see it. And so what I used to do um, just in general when I – because I'm kind of a stickler for listening to radio broadcasts. So, like, for instance, when your dad was the uh, voice of the Raiders, I would put the – I would sync up the radio broadcast on the Bluetooth speaker in, in like, our theater room and then, and then with, the, with the game. So that way it was the game, but I had the radio broadcast there. And it was, that was, my dad loved that. And I was just like, it's the better way to listen to the game. Or like, if I listen, if I watch a Bama game, I do the same thing because I want to listen to, you know, the radio guy rather than like, I don't know, like it's some, usually it's a lot better than the CBS broadcast or whoever yeah. it is. <laughs> yeah, usually. All right, man, let's get right into it then. First game. Let's talk about the games that, you know, we with the teams that we talk about on this podcast, Raiders, 49ers. First game on the docket Saturday afternoon, 1.30 kickoff, so NBC. Early. So early. <laughs> yeah, like in terms of a body clock game for the Raiders after doing such a late night game in in uh, Las Vegas. Yeah, but they've had a week. Like if it was a 10 a.m. kickoff, I'd be like, this is rough. But th- they'll be all right. 1.30 is okay. No, but yeah, they'll be fine. It's just, it's just is kind of, it's kind of weird too because that's the time they would usually play in Las Vegas on a Sunday, right? Um, so one thirty kickoff. It's on NBC. Mike Tarico and Drew Brees on the call, which will be interesting because that will be probably the Twitter shaming time for all the people to say Drew Brees sucks or Drew Brees is good. But uh, Alon, what do you think in this matchup, man? We've been talking, you know, we we finally been talking about the Raiders finally in the playoffs. We're happy. It just feels like this is legit this time. Like 2016, obviously, we were all psyched up. That was, you know, a different time. I, I think, you know, it, it just feels different. Like back then, you had Derek Carr and Khalil Mack and Amari Cooper, and this that team was team on the was, rise. That team was way different, too. That, totally that team different. lived on a lot of fortune um, it did. with the turnovers. Okay, do, do you think the 2016, the 2016 team is better than the current team right now? Offensively, yes. There's no yes. question. Offensively, I don't well, think. Well, yeah, because can... it changes the rugs and everything. Yeah, there was, I just there was a point... no. Even even if rugs was here and Waller was, I, I still think that team offensively was better. Um, but no I comparison. Think the defense is way better than the defense is way better this year. That being said, the defense in 2016 was like a turnover machine. I mean, they would they got a lot, a lot of, of reg- regarding a, a Raiders defense. They did a really right. good job of getting turnovers, but. Offensively, even if you had the perfect scenario uh, this year, and you know, coaches, I still think that team offensively was was better. Um, no, definitely, I, I thought that team would have done more damage if everybody was healthy. Yeah, it's diff- It's you know, this team's different. Uh, I'll you probably know, Crabtree's best year or two in the NFL, or at 100%. least most of, most effective. Yeah, I, w- I would say so. Um, this Raider team now going into the playoffs, I don't think as <laughs> as strong as it was in 2016. Um, just different, you know, they're more of a resilient bunch where I thought the Raiders 2016 team, you know, could have gone up against the Steelers or whoever else they were going to face, the Patriots maybe. They probably yeah, they, would have lost to those teams, but they would have put up a fight. They were explosive. They were. They were explosive offensively. Um, this team's different. Uh, they're a wild card team. They, you know, were, were resilient the last four weeks of the season, and they're in the playoffs now. So... And this is the first Derek Carr start in a playoff game. Like last time in 2016, my dad was talking about it on the radio today. It just kind of it kind of felt like a preseason game where we didn't get to participate. Donald yeah. Penn was out. Derek yep. Carr was out. Connor Cook, Cook making his first start ever 
was playing in a playoff game, and there really was no chance. I remember all of us going to pick six, and, you know, Townie and us doing the pregame show. George Lopez bought us a shit ton of vodka shots. We got really drunk. It was a great time, but it didn't feel like a celebration of an actual football game. It kind of felt like this is the end of the season. That game and was relatively close, too, for how handicapped the Raiders were, for, for at, at times, least for the yeah. first half. Yeah. At times, yeah. I mean, David Clowney blew the game up with blew the pick, the I remember. Yep. But um, this feels different, man. I feel like they have a chance this time against the Cincinnati Bengals. How do you see this game going on Saturday? It's kind of interesting. These teams are kind of tailor-made for each other. So, obviously, they already played once in Las Vegas, and that game was 13 to. 13 i want to say for like three quarters and then the Bengals ended up rattling off 19 unanswered points so it ended up being 32 to 13 and all 19 of those points i think came in the fourth quarter but the raiders got a the raiders are really it's kind of interesting they give up a lot of passing right they give up a lot of completions they they give up a high passer rating and a completion percentage but they're also top five at the same time in terms of not giving up explosive passing plays, and they're top five in yards allowed per attempt and yards per completion. So, I mean, classic, you know, Gus Bradley or Legion of Boom defense, all that kind of stuff, where they're going to give it up to you within the first seven yards, but you're, you're going to really struggle going down the field. Um, that being said, like, the, the Bengals have three stud wide receivers. They have three wide receiver number ones, basically. Um, like Tyler Boyd's their number three, and he'd be a number one on just about any other team in the NFL. So they're super explosive. <clears throat> but I think it's very similar to the game last week against the Chargers, where even though Joe Burrow is really good, just like Justin Herbert's really good, it's going to be incumbent upon the Raiders to be successful to stop Joe Mixon, just how it was really important for them to stop Austin Eckler, because that's who can kill them. So uh, Joe Mixon was the guy who kind of, who kind of really just had his way in the first matchup. So they're going to have to watch out for that. Offensively, the Raiders are going to have to find some type of consistency. I hope they come out aggressive early rather than wait for later in the game to get really aggressive. I'd like to see them come out and throw in deep shots really early. That being said, if you're a Cincinnati Bengals fan, you have to really worry about Joe Burrow because he's the most sacked quarterback in the league. And Max Crosby and Yannick Ngakwe could have a field day with him. 100%. That's one of the things I listed here was they had to get after Joe Burrow. Uh, Max Crosby. Sacked 52 times, I think. I know. 51 or 50. That's so many. And coming off a torn ACL and MCL, you know, many people thought they would draft uh, Penny Sewell. They yeah. went with, you know, Chase. Uh, Chase. And Which it, it worked out, but no. like that's that's the trade they made. That's the trade off they made. Yeah. And that's something that they'll upgrade in the offseason. But I mean, you know, it still panned out. They won the division. They have had their best season in years. Um, but, yeah, just going along with some of the things you said, uh, they have to run the football. Jo Josh Jacobs only had 37 yards the last time they played each other. Mm -hmm. He's been playing well, obviously, last week at his best game in the season. They have to attack that uh, Bengals run defense. And they got to stop Joe Mixon. It's as simple as that. They couldn't stop yeah. him last time, 123 yards from him. It just, you know, yeah, the Raiders have always had a hard time in, in, you know, years past just stopping the running game. And I know that they have a pretty good run defense this they year. Do but this oh, year. They, they do this year. They do this year. They've had a better, they have a better linebacking core. But that's, you know, it's it's going to be, I want to say it's going to be a snowy game on Saturday. If, There's, if a There's a chance. There's a chance for snow. snow. Yeah. I mean, I don't think this is going to be a 400-yard, four-touchdown performance from Joe Burrow. He's not playing you know, a Ravens team that's depleted in the secondary. This is a playoff game. They're going to take away the pass. 
I see this being a very close game and kind of a defensive game because both defenses are very good as well. But in order for the or in order for the Raiders to I'm Patriots in order for the Raiders to keep up with the Cincinnati Bengals offensively and defensively, they have to stop Joe Mixon from getting 125 yards. I, I yeah, 100. percent I agree. I think he's the most. I mean, obviously, you're gonna look at the wide receiving core and you gotta stop them. But with the weather and the way it is, and the way Joe Mixon just had his way, um, you know, a month and a half ago or whatever, when I think it was in November, uh, I was at that game. But uh, uh, yeah, you know what? The other thing that's going to be really important for the Raiders offensively is they've now played two teams in a row, or they're going to play a second team in a row that is very bad at covering tight ends. And yep. the Cincinnati Bengals are, I think, just slightly better than the Chargers were at, at dealing with opposing teams' tight ends. So it'll be interesting to see if Waller is finally like kind of back. You could tell that there was a lot of miscommunication there or, or just, you know, missing a beat with Derek Carr this, this past week, for instance, like Carr could have ended the game and, you know, with that, with a pass to Waller, that kind of stuff. But um, it, it'll be interesting to see if the Raiders are, are able to expose the weakness to tight ends that the, that the Bengals have. Um, and uh, the first time they played, uh, Foster Moreau actually caught a touchdown. So, I mean, it's pretty good when your number two tight ends catch some touchdowns for you. That being said, they're going to have to come up with something offensively. Now, there were a few things that were going into the first Cincinnati game that uh, aren't don't apply now. Like that was right after the – I think that was the first game after the Ruggs incident and there was – or maybe the second game after that incident. And yeah, they were, put the Giants on the road after the first uh, – After the first, yeah. yep. And then they got home and did that, and that was pretty that was pretty tough. So anyway, like that's just you know I agree with you. That's just the the, the game is going to be who runs the ball better. As boring as that sounds, I have a question for you though, Derek. Do you think DC's like this? So say he wins the game. Say the Raiders win the game, right? Mm -hmm. And he just has a decent stat line: two hundred and thirty yards, two touchdowns, a pick, or whatever it is, right? Or a touchdown and a pick. Well, a touchdown and a pick is what it would be in that weather, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, but they win. Does he kind of shake the can't play in cold weather kind of deal, or is that going to take a few more of those? Yeah, one hundred percent. If he if, if he wins this game in the cold, yeah. then yeah, in the cold. first playoff start in the cold, he wins. Yeah, and it's weird. Like for some <laughs> reason, I, I I have the mentality that Derek Carr is the more experienced playoff quarterback going into this game than Joe Burrow, even though he's not. Even they're though even. he's not. Yeah, they're I even. Know. They're just like I, I have to keep telling myself, like, well, you know, Derek Carr's played a playoff game before. Oh wait, no, he hasn't. Um, and it's this really is really weird. An, an eight year guy with making his first start and not because he hasn't been good during his career. Just, he hasn't had the opportunity to get there. Yeah. So, you know, usually I liked, I lean towards the more experienced quarterbacks or the teams that have more experience in the playoffs, but neither of these teams do. I mean, the Bengals have been in the playoffs more recently on a consistent level with Marvin Lewis and all those teams, yeah. but they never won. I think they're 0-6 since 1990. I don't, I don't think Dalton, Dalton never won a game. And Dalton never won a game. Carson, Carson Palmer, Palmer won a game. Didn't, didn't win a game. Yeah. So Cincinnati wants to win this game. They, they've had some playoff woes of their own. The Raiders, they've lost you know, at home, too. I mean, like, for instance, one of their oh. biggest home playoff losses was that Carson Palmer game where he got hurt. Carson Palmer got hurt. The worst one was when you thought the game was over with Vontez Burfick picking off uh, Ben Roethlisberger. <laughs> yeah. And then ben, ben Roethlisberger comes back into the game and leads him on a drive where Adam Pacman Jones, like, annihilates Antonio Brown. Uh, Vontez Burfick killed Antonio Brown. 
Joey Porter got involved, I want to say, on the sidelines. Mike Munchak pulling the dreadlocks. Of, uh, I remember that. Re- uh, Reggie Nelson, who became a Raider. Um, that was a that was a pretty nasty physical Cincinnati Bengals team, too, defensively. I want to say, yeah, that, that was a crazy-ass ending because there was no way the Steelers should have won that game. No, and then they and ended they, up, yeah. They found a way to pull that game out of their ass, and... I want to say that the funniest moment was Pac-Man Jones, like on the team bus. They were home. I don't know if they were on the team bus or whatever, but he was on like, you know, doing some FaceTime stuff. And he said, we lost that game because Jerry Porter got in my face. He meant to say Joey Porter. Jerry but I remember, Porter. But I remember being like, oh, Jerry Porter, the old Raiders wide receiver? Mr. Show Prime. Oh, God. What's it? Mr. The icon. The icon. There it is. The self-proclaimed said, icon. Almost said Jerry Mr. Porter. Showtime. <laughs> Jerry Porter would come on the old Silver and Black show with my pops and Jim Plunkett and told them, hey, can you guys call me the icon? It's a pretty like, cool name. Yeah, but you, you don't get to pick your nicknames. <laughs> Sorry, Jerry. You don't just show up like, I'm the icon today. The, the icon. Yeah, it's not like Jalen Richard showed up to my dad and be like, you should call me the pocket rocket. No, it was the opposite, probably. <laughs> yeah. Don't call, the, me, don't call was, me the pocket rocket. It was the opposite. He was like, I don't know if I like that nickname. So yeah, back to the game. Uh, t- yeah, tight ends. Uh, the the the, the Bengals have some pretty good safeties. They have Jesse Bates and Von Bell. But last time they played, Darren Waller went for seven catches for 116 yards. Um, their corners are pretty weak. Like they're not necessarily weak, but they're just not big and strong. They got Mike Hilton and Trey Waynes. Um, they could attack them. There, there's Eli Apple. In there. I mean, they have Eli Apple. Oh yeah, Eli well. Apple. He, he's a little scrawny guy too, but yeah. he, he's a good player. Um, you know, they, they could attack them with Waller, Zay Jones, or Renfro, but, um, it'll be interesting to see, like, you know, obviously the Raiders secondary is much improved with Casey Hayward and all their guys, but you wonder if they have the personnel to cover guys like Jamar Chase and T Higgins and Tyler Boyd. So I think it's a very evenly matched game. Um, I think Joe Burrow and the Bengals are on paper, the better team with the talent they have, but yeah. I think it's a it's a pretty 50-50 even game I have to say between the I two think, teams. I think I think it's about it about as even as it could be. I think this is the best matchup the Raiders could have hoped for out of all the playoff teams. Yes. Um out of all the divisional winners that is. I don't I don't think their chances against like a Tennessee would have been very good in the first round. I don't think, you know, against the Bills or um definitely not the Chiefs. But Anyway, that's why yeah. they didn't tie everybody. Yeah, that's why they didn't tie. Uh, but yeah, I think it's a pretty even 50 50 game. T. Higgins is going to be interesting. I don't know who they're going to put on him because Casey Hayward Jr., you have to think, is the best corner for the Raiders. But T. Higgins is like 6'5, 6'4. And he's just, the Raiders do have trouble with very, very tall, tall receivers. I mean, they didn't have too much trouble last week until the very end of the game, but at the end of the game, you saw Mike Williams definitely have a lot of chances, and he ended up catching a big touchdown. But so they're gonna have to try to figure out what to do with a big guy like T. Higgins. Yeah, that's the part that scares me. Is I'm not necessarily worried about Jamar Chase. It's more so T. Higgins because the Raiders had a hard time covering, just like you said, Mike Williams. He caught that fourth and twenty-one. He yeah. got a lot of fourth downs. He caught the uh, was name that caught the fourth and twenty-one touchdown. Yeah, well, Mike Williams caught caught a touchdown and, uh, and he, he also was basically caught, being double bracketed. Yeah, and he also caught the one at the end of regulation too. Correct. Mm-hmm. Yep. So the Raiders just they struggle against big physical receivers, and I've seen T. Higgins 
many times this season go up and catch passes and double coverage. He did it against the Chargers uh, a few weeks ago in their loss to them. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think they'll find a game plan to, you know, shut down Jamar Chase, even though he's incredible and a speed wide receiver. I just don't know how well he's going to play in the snow if there is, you know, cold weather and all that stuff. I do wonder about T. Higgins. I do wonder about the running game and everything, if they'll stop them. But all in all, I like their chances a lot better than five years ago when they went into Houston with Connor Cook. How many sacks do you think the Raiders need to get? Or how many quarterback hits the Raiders need to get on Joe Burrow to really I'll like... say sacks. I mean, four or five. Four or five? Yeah. yeah. I agree. I think they need somewhere around four or five sacks to really... Like, if, if there was a stat where... Someone said, "Hey, Lon, you know the Raiders will have five sacks against the uh, against the Bengals." I go, "Well, that's probably five drive killers. So that's five times they don't get points or only get three. I like their chances in that game. That that's 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 the thing. They have to get after Burrow. And finally, they go against a team that that has a really really bad offensive line. Yeah, yeah. And but the Raiders' offensive line is not spectacular it's, either. No, it's not good. Brandon Parker." Luckily, he's not facing like a premier pass rusher, um, but he needs to not get beat on bull rushes every play. And I don't get it. He's such a big guy. He should know how to anchor, but he just he gets beat on bull rushes left and right. And I'm like, dude, come on. You're, you're stronger than these guys. Figure it out. So anyway, who, who do you think wins the game? Well, we'll get to that a little later. We'll get we to that. Our yeah. Full Windsor Wings edition of the Card Weekend. But just, you know, like ending on the Raider game, um, I remember the Raiders going to Cincinnati three or four years ago during the terrible 2018 season. Um, Sam Hubbard, who's opposite Trey Hendrickson, uh, I want to say sacked Derek Carr three or four times, and they had a hard time against him. It's been a different team, obviously, since then for both sides. But there are elements of this Bengals defense that scare me uh, going up against them. I think they're good at creating turnovers. I think almost every single one of their starting defensive backs – has at least two interceptions. Um, so their corners all have at least two. That that could be the game changer. One of the really interesting things about the Raiders is they have only intercepted the ball six times all season. Yeah. And I think they're like only one of like five teams to go to the playoffs with in the last like 20 years with with less than seven interceptions. So crazy. We're gonna have to they're gonna have to figure out how to turn the ball over. Um, against against the Bengals, so I think yeah. I think it's just defense and and pl- playing good run defense is going to be the most important thing, though. Yeah, definitely. And uh, you know the Bengals themselves, you know we talk about you know getting after Joe Burrow, but they have a pretty good pass rush themselves. Trey Hendrickson. A lot of people like laughed at him getting the big contract with the Cincinnati Bengals just because they thought that he was, you know, just a flash in the pan guy that was, uh, you know. Uh, benefiting from Cam Jordan and Marcus Davenport in New Orleans. And he's proven to be his own pass rusher in Cincinnati. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. We'll pick the game later on. Uh, Let's transition to the Sunday afternoon game between the 49ers and Cowboys. And like I said earlier, it's a huge game. It's weird because um, this is like in the 90s, Fox was all about 49ers Cowboys. And I guess because Fox got the Thursday night package, they don't have a wild card game this weekend. Is that the, oh, that's why they're not they're not broadcasting one? No, they they I, I guess when part of the rights 
um, they gave up the opportunity to have wild card weekend oh, games. Boy. Could you imagine Joe Buck and uh, Troy Aikman calling this game? I know that like they they must be kicking themselves, but like they'll take the other matchups. But yeah, this is the first time I did mention this on the last podcast, but this is the first time since 1993 that CBS will have a 49ers and Cowboys game. <laughs> um, oh yeah, all the NFC games are either on NBC. Or uh, CBS, which is uh, very weird. So who gets this call? Obviously, it's Nance and Romo, right? It's Nance and Romo, yep. Okay. Well, good. I mean, if I'm not going to get, you know, Joe Buck and Troy Aikman on Fox, then obviously I get to get uh, Nance and Romo, which is awesome. Yeah. Um, or, you know, sorry, the other the other uh, NFC game is on ESPN with Steve Levy, the Rams-Cardinals game. That's, when, that's oh, the game that's going to be on ESPN. Yeah, that game's on ESPN. I don't know if we're getting a Manny cast for the playoff game either. Um, That'd be kind of weird if they did a Manning cast. You know, it would be interesting though if they did a Manning cast and then brought players who had been eliminated, ooh. who weren't in the playoffs. There's a cool opportunity there. We'll talk about that in detail later on. But just as far as the game, probably the marquee game of the weekend in my. I opinion. was just going to say, I think this is going to do the biggest ratings out of any of the games on the weekend or Monday. And apparently, they're talking about the Niners fans traveling well for this. Um, they traveled to LA for that game tra- against the Rams. 100%. They, you know, everyone's talking about it, how Sean McVay says they weren't prepared for the Niner fans to take over the game. Um, you can look at, you know, ticket, you know, purchases and figure that out beforehand. But uh, yeah, the, I know Jerry Jones said that he doesn't, you know, he has no issues with, you know, visiting fans coming over to Jerry's world and having a good time at the stadium. But it would be pretty telling if the 49ers fans take over uh AT&T stadium because you know this is the first time that the Cowboys in a long time have had a legit I guess contender I know they're the third seed um they look really good at times they have you know obviously a lot of playmakers on offense and defense but it, I, I don't know for whatever reason it just seems to me that the Niners have the upper hand in this game and I don't know I agree. why I agree I think the Niners are the better are the better they're the more consistent team. Let's put it that way. That's but, how I'll but, say it. But you look at even, even though you would look at them and be like, yeah. they've been really inconsistent all season. I well, just, just think that they do things better than the Cowboys do, even though the Cowboys have this array of weaponry that they can just throw at you. But I also wonder if, the, you know, a lot, of, a lot of people are on the Niners this week, and I wonder if the Cowboys are like, okay, all right. This is one of the first times that we'll not be favored in something. I mean, they are favored. I'm, I'm sure they are favored by Vegas standards, but there's a lot of people that are picking the Niners to upset the Cowboys this week. And I wonder if they're like, you know, haven't we proven something this year more than the Niners? I mean, they had a great win against the Rams and all that, but uh, we're the highest scoring team in football right now. We have a defensive rookie of the year that you can make the argument that he's defensive player of the year. He's, he's out there playing cornerback sometimes. Yeah, Michael um, Parsons, he's just, he's just incredible. Have you ever seen a linebacker get double-digit sacks? And now I'm not, I'm not talking about an outside linebacker. I'm talking about a middle linebacker. linebacker. This guy was drafted to play alongside Jalen Smith and uh, Landon Vander Esch, and he's taken over that position at middle linebacker. And then when they had injury problems with Demarcus Lawrence, he's playing defensive end too. It's one of the more impressive rookie seasons I've seen in quite some time. It reminds me a lot of Khalil Mack's versatility, but it's it's even more difficult because Mack at least played outside linebacker and defensive end. He made all pro at both positions. Micah Parsons could do the same thing, except he would make it all pro as a middle linebacker and a defensive end. Like who? Do, 
I, I don't know. I don't get that. It's 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 he's incredible, and it's amazing how many teams had a chance to draft him and they didn't. Yeah, and it's interesting. Does he get a lot of his sacks just blitzing from the A gap, or is it on the rush from defensive end? Do you know? All kinds. I've seen yeah. him get A gap blitz sacks. I've seen him get defensive end sacks. I've seen him loop around from his linebacker. I mean, he's just, he's just all over the field. Yeah, he's amazing. Yeah, that's something that my dad always brought up with Khalil Mack, that he wondered whether or not it would have been more effective if Khalil was rushing from the middle all the time like that. Oh, Khalil. I remember when your dad used to say that. And what's interesting about that, probably could have worked because of how yeah. fast and powerful he is. Yeah. But, uh, Alon, how do you see this game going, man? We got, I think, two physical teams. Um, I don't really know what to make of Ezekiel Elliott right now. Uh, you don't know if he's the guy he used to be. Uh, Tony Pollard's a great back, but I don't know if he's ready to be the guy there yet. Um, I think the Cowboys have better receivers. They have a better offense. Their offensive line is incredible. But for whatever reason, it just makes me – I don't know. I'm just thinking about how the Niners are just more of a bully. And just the image I, – I just picture them going into Dallas and just kicking their ass. How many – I I agree. I think they're, more, they're the more physical team. I think – what they just did, not even playing their best game against a Rams team that's really, really, really good, and they still came out with the win. I think that that you got to put a lot of stock into that. The thing that I wonder is this: how are they gonna how are they gonna contain the the wide receivers for the Cowboys? That that's that's the biggest thing. So pass can rush. you do that? Yeah, it's got to be the pass rush. Now that being said, what's really interesting is even though like the Cowboys on paper, you look at them and they're like, wow, they got all those weapons. They have a great offensive line, all this stuff. They haven't really, the times that they've actually clicked this season all together in a game has not been very many. Like the last time that I would say offensively, they really, really, really clicked. I'm going to throw this Eagles game away because they played against. Yeah. I would say like last week when they're throwing against like the yeah. second team of the Eagles. Yeah. No, I, I would say you'd have to go back to um, when they played the Raiders on Thanksgiving. Like that was the last time that they looked really, really potent and they could, they could kind of have their way with teams. But weren't um, they missing Amari in that game? They were. So that was the last time where they looked really, really, really good. And I just think the Niners have, they have all this room to keep ascending and yeah. we're just starting to see them kind of re-embrace their physical identity. I think they, from a coaching standpoint, I know, I know Mike McCarthy has a Super Bowl. I don't, I, Kyle Shanahan is so much of a better coach than, yeah, than the, Mike the, McCarthy is. It's the not coaching, even close. The coaching matchup is interesting because yes, I, I go in favor of Kyle Shanahan he's a better coach than Mike McCarthy. But it's not it's not the head coaches that is interesting the, to me. It's yeah. Kyle Shanahan versus Dan Quinn. And Dan That's Quinn, interesting, yeah. Yeah. Dan Quinn being the head coach of the Atlanta Falcons when Kyle Shanahan was the offensive coordinator. They know each other well. When Dan Quinn has gone up against Kyle, uh, even the great Super Bowl season that the Niners had in 2019, the Falcons beat them because Dan Quinn knew how to play against his offense. And um, – you know, the Cowboys were clicking on all cylinders uh, a couple weeks ago when they put a 56 against uh, Washington, I thought. They did, um, yeah, but then again, like I'm saying, like playing a non-playoff team. That's, no, I got you. It's not you. very good. Um, real quick about you were talking about the, the Niner fans traveling well. So I, I dug it out in the uh, Dallas winning news here. Vivid Seats is projecting a turnout of roughly 62% Cowboy fans to 38% Niner fans. That's huge. That's a ton of Niner fans. Yeah, 
And this is a classic rivalry game. This is awesome. Yeah. I I, I think it's awesome. Let me get this matchup. It's, you know, I, I think it's fitting in the wild card round because neither of these teams have any history right now against each other. Like, there's no Dak Prescott versus Jimmy Garoppolo thing going on. They haven't really faced off in the regular season that much in recent years. But it's good to have this rivalry restored. Just a, some notes that I think for this matchup for the Niners to win. Um, I honestly think that they can let the running game go a little bit in this game. It's, you know, it's more so they got to make sure that Amari Cooper and, and I guess Michael Gallup's out for the season. So it's Amari Cooper, yeah. Cedric Wilson, and CeeDee Lamb. You got to make sure that these, these wide receivers don't kill you. That being said, though, I was very impressed with how the Niners' secondary played against the Rams. They knew yeah. that they couldn't contain Cooper Cup, and he was killing them for most of the game. But then it, they took away Vance Jefferson. They took away Odell. And that just may be the type of game you have to play where you just, you know, you have to pick your battles of what's the best matchup and who can you live with that's going to beat you. And in the end, if it's going to be Ezekiel Elliott just averaging two yards a carry or three yards a carry, you can live with that if you're the Niners defense. Is Trent Williams going to play? Because I know he hasn't practiced, he practiced this week today. at all. He, pra- he, he practiced, practiced today? He did okay. practice today in a limited capacity. So if he's back, that's that's huge. Because I know yesterday he didn't practice, the day before. I mean, so finally practiced today. That is huge. So um, one of the biggest matchups is going to be trying to stop guys like like uh, Durant's Armstrong Jr., I mean, who's a pretty good edge rusher in his own right for um for Dallas like they got you know it'd be interesting too Dalton Schultz because he's kind of an underrated weapon for the Dallas Cowboys so they're gonna have to do a good job whether it's uh Greenlaw or Warner who's gonna be on him most of the time Uh, ideally you'd rather not have a a linebacker on him but uh there's some good matchups there I think if Trent Williams plays it this this could actually really tone down any kind of defensive pressure that the that the Cowboys can put on Garoppolo Without blitzing. Um, what about Micah Parsons, though? Well, Micah Parsons is going to be a handful, but at least what you can do is if he's rushing up the middle, you can just tell your center and whoever your running back is, like, hey, that's the guy we got to get. There's also there's also ways you can scheme him out of the game. You can Because he is still a rookie, and Kyle Shanahan's probably already – not probably, Kyle Shanahan's, Kyle Shanahan's already thought about all this. You know, throwing screens his way, getting, getting Micah to be over-aggressive because he is still so young and inexperienced. <clears throat> one of the one of the other things is Garoppolo is going to have to be very very conscious of wherever uh, Trayvon Diggs is on the field. But I think he, I think he could attack him though because I like, think he I, can attack him too because because Diggs is so feast or famine. He's either going to intercept you or he's going to give up something huge. And it's Asante Samuel, yeah, senior. It's, it's exactly yeah, Asante Samuel senior. It's exactly the way he plays. It's like I'm going to jump every route. I'm going to go for the big kill shot, the big interception, whatever it is, and the knockout blow. But, you know, he can get really, really uh, – he can be a big uh, liability on the back end. Uh, that being said, like, Garoppolo just needs to do – whatever he did during the second half and really the thir- third, fourth quarter of that Rams game, just keep doing that. When you see Debo Samuel streaking over the middle of the field, you're never going to make a bad decision trying to get the ball to him. And yeah. – do you think we see the same big production? I I know Debo's going to have a game because I can just be like, that guy's always going to have a good game if he's healthy. Does Brandon Ayuk have another monster game like he did last week? You know, I don't know. He's got uh, the physical traits. He's got all the skill set to do it. He's going to have to if they're going to win this game. Um, or it could be, you know, this could be the game plan that the Niners had against the Rams the first time they played each other. 
It could be let's just attack the middle of their defense, run the ball as much as we can, and we'll control the time of possession. And that way we don't give the ball to Dak Prescott to obliterate our secondary. That's interesting. Um, I don't know. Like, you know, this is Brandon Ayuk's first playoff game. There's a yeah. lot of, you know, first for everybody here. I think Kittle has to have a big game for, in order for them to have, to get a victory. Because um, he only had like two or three catches last week. I think he had like five catches for 10 yards or something like that. He, um, <laughs> that's not what they, you want out of your pro, all pro tight end. No, but I mean, like they did. I mean, like I think Ramsey was on him for a little bit. I mean, like, yeah, the, Rams did a, the Rams did a good job taking him away. But I think if there's a weak part of the Cowboys uh, defense, it's their safeties. So I think that George Kittle can attack them. Um, yeah, I mean, it's weird, man. It's the same thing with the Rams where the Cowboys have more talent on the team. But I just yeah. feel like the Niners are a more physical bunch that could kick their ass. They're, they, yeah, they're you know what? They're more experienced in terms of this iteration, this team in a lot of ways. Playoff success, yeah. Play, playoff success, playoff experience. Um, they're tougher. They're definitely tougher. They're yeah. not as they're not as flashy, but they, dude. I mean, they the Niners' defense, like they were, they're going to make Dak pay for every yeah, every single time that Dak tries to climb the pocket or roll out to his left or his right. He's going to have someone waiting for him. It's not going to be pretty. Like I really think they're going to hurt, not hurt him. I think they're really going to beat him up. I think yeah. they're going to make him feel some pain during the game with their pass rush. It's a bit interesting. Also, I've been, you know, uh, seeing stuff on Twitter, old classic 49ers from back in the day that had this rivalry with the Cowboys coming on KMBR mm. and talking about like the rivalry and what they think of the game. And Tom, Ra- Tom Rathman in f- <laughs> perfect fullback style saying, I think the Niners are going to kick the shit out of the Cowboys. He said that? He said that that's live great. on Murph and Mack. That's great. Oh, yeah. that's great. Yeah, no, I. I- I feel the same way, and with the with the fan split being sixty forty, I mean that's insane. And yeah. that that forty percent at that stadium because it holds like ninety thousand. So basically, you're looking you're looking at like thirty eight thousand Niner fans. And and the other thing is that I I've been reading they've been putting out tweets and all kinds of stuff. The Dallas Cowboys fan groups and you know the radio station. Don't sell your tickets for the love of God. Don't sell your tickets to Niner fans. But that just seems crazy to me. Like they, they say that <clears throat> Cowboys are America's team, and they're worried about the opposing fans coming out and a Niner fans take over. Yeah, like you, everyone. You know, it's crazy to me. Everyone loves the Cowboys. They're the media darling. You have to talk about them on ESPN or NFL Network. Trouble in big D anytime something's going on. One hundred percent, all the time, and it just. It's just crazy to me. Like they, they think they're America's team, and we'll see if they, you know, if there's more red than white on uh, on Sunday. Well, the the red's definitely going to stand out because oh, no yeah. no Niner fans who are going are going to be wearing any kind of white. They're going to be wearing they're going to be wearing the red. And no, you, you got to you got to. The other thing is what's really interesting is how people. I do like this. How people are like, don't sell your tickets for the love of God. We have a similar thing going on in Las Vegas. Where people are like, don't sell your tickets to opposing fans. Don't sell, and I'm like, no, screw you. I if I have a PSL and I want to sell my tickets and I'm not going, I don't care who goes. I, you know, the most important color to me is green. So like, <laughs> if I get money for, I'm obviously I'd like now. Luckily, I've only ever sold my tickets to Raider fans. Somehow, I've been very That's lucky good about that. But um, yeah, I don't know. Like, come on, Dallas. Like, are you really already? You're starting to build in your own excuses and. 
oh no, there's going to be too many Niner fans here. It's starting to feel that about, way. Yeah, we're worried about what happened to the LA Rams. Speaking of which, that was if you're the Rams, like you, you need to do everything in your power to make sure that doesn't happen next season. I mean, I don't know how. Like they're still like trying give, to figure out giving their giving away free base. tickets to Rams. <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, they don't want to do yeah. that. Like, you know, like back in the day when you used to go to like high school games, they're like, hey, everybody, free Raider tickets. Yeah. That was embarrassing. That was. Um, apparently, this is the first time this happened this season with the Rams where they felt like they're the opposing team's fans took over the stadium. So they're not quite as worried about that. It was a bigger game for the Niner fans as opposed to the Rams fans. But still, like, that shouldn't happen. If Dallas has to worry about this, though, like, that's... if that, if Dallas has to worry about that, that's alarming. That is quite yeah. alarming. Um, <laughs> That's and that's because the Niners know they have. You know what? They're showing up because they think, like it's Tom Rathman said, to kick the shit out of the the Cowboys. What the Niners should do? This is the first playoff game that both of these teams have played in uh, since 1994 at the NFC Championship game. And this season, the Niners have brought back the old font lettering yep. of the '94 season. Yep. They should they should go into Cowboys Stadium wearing those jerseys just to remind them, like the last time we played each other. Can, they can they? Are they allowed to do that? Why not? Well, I don't, I don't know. I didn't know if they're if they're allowed to. I mean, does that? I mean, that they're, they're they're wearing their away jerseys. They're so wearing their away wear... jerseys. Yeah, yeah. No, they that's should because the Cowboys play in white. So yeah, so yeah, it doesn't matter. They can wear well, whatever we, they want. It doesn't matter. We will pick these games later on in the Windsor Wang same along with all the other playoff games happening this weekend. But Alon, we give a little breather. Uh, get get hydrated yeah. if you're feeling yeah. all right. Um, cause we, for the first time on the live stream, um, and on the podcast, uh, as well, uh, we were, go- we're going to play this interview I got to do with, uh, Guy Haberman. Woo. Uh, yeah, Guy was, uh, able to join me yesterday and, uh, work with him back in the day and, uh, yeah, it's good catching up with him. We talk about everything with, you know, what's going on with the playoffs, with the Niners, the Raiders, a little college football. We talk a little bit about, you know. What's going on with play-by-play and the history, uh, the future of that? And, you know, we goof around and talk about old times working together back in 95-7 the game. So here's my interview with Guy Haberman. All right, joining me now on Just Your Opinion, man, is a guy I used to work with back in the day, producing his radio show with John Middlecoff, and they were nice enough to let me make an ass of myself and make some songs from time to time. And now that radio show has turned into a successful podcast. Haberman of Middlecalf, you could catch it on iTunes and Spotify. You could also catch this guy on play-by-play for the Pac-12 Network. And you may have seen him on the A's and Warriors broadcast. It's Guy Haberman. What's up, Guy? Papa, nice nice enough to let you make songs. The songs were the highlight. Uh, I I don't know if we were always 100% nice. Yeah, initially it was like let's let's hear these out and see if they're good or not. But uh, after the first one, it was kind of like they were okay. very good. Yeah. yeah, I was thinking about you. I was thinking about you on Sunday watching the uh, Raiders Chargers game. Yeah, thinking what would it be like to walk into an office with Derek on Monday morning if the Raiders <laughs> were to lose this game? Because you're laughing, but there is nothing. We the Raiders had a bad. Yeah, I know. Like we couldn't talk, we could not make a joke <laughs> to Derek about it on Monday morning. It'd be like, oh, come on, God, Raiders. They, you couldn't say anything and yeah. get a smile. No, like, I know. There was no gallows humor. <laughs> None. For a guy who likes dark humor, Derek Baba, no dark humor. None. It would just be the more we said to try and dig out of a joke that made you upset, 
the worse it got. <laughs> yeah, times have changed. I've known uh, not to uh, take the results of sports with me to my professional settings. Um, yeah, I would. Uh, I would not be the best person the next day after that. But times have changed, guy. I don't oh, okay. really care about the Raider outcomes as much, even though like I wanted them to win. But like it was a typical Raider game where they had a lead and then pissed it away. But yeah, uh, whether whether it was Raider games or Warriors games, I was not the, the most fun person the next day. Well, I w- it was very fun for <laughs> me and John. We, we were very highly entertained by it. Yeah. There should be well, a, the, the dynamics between a radio host and a radio producer are very interesting dynamics. Should be explored oh, they are. by some psychiatrist. Yeah, no, definitely. <laughs> um, but it's nice we're having this conversation. And uh, don't judge me. me. What's up? I said, thanks for having me. Oh, no problem, man. No problem. Thank you for coming on. And uh, I thought it'd be fitting that we have a little drink while this is going on. So I got a little Tito's going here at 11 o'clock in the morning. Oh, I do judge you. But no, this is your <laughs> Saturday, right? Basically, yes. I'm off today, so I'm allowed to drink. But um, yeah. yeah, then I got to hit it hard in the on the weekend. But let's get what right into that? it, guy. Uh, oh, got a little uh, got a little Tito's. Got a little... Uh, it's just a Bloody Mary. It's a oh, little uh, Bloody Mary mix. Okay. A little salt. It's good. The V8 is good for you? Not not V8, no. The v- no. V8's disgusting. <laughs> it's, like, it's like the Bloody Mary mix you get at the, the grocery stores. Okay. Take a sip. All right. Here we go. Yeah, mm-hmm. not bad. All right. So let's go right into it. Uh, you guys talk about the Niners on your podcast. Just your thoughts on their spectacular win on Sunday, 27 to 24 in overtime to make it to the playoffs. Stunning. Yeah, stunning. I mean, it was, um, you know, now and I love watching a big game with social media with my like Twitter feed up and Twitter feed, not my Twitter feet. And um, it's uh, you get like a whole year of takes. Yeah. In two quarters of football to start that game. Kyle, how could he? Jimmy, he can't ever. Uh, and similarly to the game they played the week before against the Texans, ironically, one of the signature moments of, you know, I think that we talk about at least, I don't know if we call it a signature moment of the Shanahan era is kneeling on the football, just like not kneeling on the, well, yeah, it's essentially being okay running out the clock at the end of the first half against the Kansas city chiefs in the Super Bowl, only to then hit a big play and not have enough time left to take advantage of the big play. And I think we've, it almost every week the situation comes up where you know there's a few minutes maybe seconds left in the half the Niners are getting the ball to their own 28 and what do you do do you try and score in 48 seconds if the other team has two timeouts or do you say I ah, forget it we don't want to do something dumb and then they score and then they get the ball again to start the second half whatever so uh, those have been kind of defining moments the last two weeks the Niners kind of because they've had to have pushed the ball down the field at the end of halves and I think it has led to then jump-starting them in the second half. And um, that that's what happened in the Rams game. And, you know, I think Kyle Shanahan was able to do what he wants to do, which is pound you on the ground and run the ball. But he had to trust Garoppolo more than maybe he's wanted to times before. And Garoppolo was really good. And, you know, I think one of the reasons when the Niners signed him to the contract extension they did, I was very much for it. Um is because I thought he would I thought he'd really get a lot better as time went on. And one of the reasons I felt that way was if I'm an analyzing my own analysis was just the mechanical way he throws. It looks like Tom Brady. 
And Brady, obviously, has honed his over the years, and he has a very quick release, and he worked with Tom House on it. And I'm not sure if Garoppolo worked with Tom House, but he definitely throws like Brady throws mechanically, and which means he gets rid of the football very quickly. And, um, you know, I always thought, and I still think that's a great quality for a quarterback to have. And while some of those developments haven't come the way that I expected that they would, and I and I think he probably has, you know, we've seen what his best can be. Um, to see him play that way, and throw the way he threw with his hand in the condition that it that it was, I don't want to be in the position of like overstating legendary performances. Blah blah blah. It was the last game of a regular season to get into the playoffs, and. It, they were in that position because of some of the mistakes that he made. So, you know, he's saving himself from himself to some degree. It was still pretty, it was pretty remarkable to watch them grasp victory from inevitable defeat. Yeah. And a 17 to nothing, you know, deficit where you think that they don't really have the passing offense to get back into the game, but they, they did. And it was a great win. You and John have been talking about it since they got Trey Lance. You guys pretty much said that you thought Trey Lance should have started from the get go. And now that the season has ended with Jimmy taking them to the playoffs, what are your overall feelings about how the season has gone and then going forward, even though, you know, they're going to the playoffs with Jimmy, but he's not going to be on the roster probably next season. Yeah. I think it's been a successful year. I think they had to make the playoffs if Garoppolo was their starting quarterback for that to happen. Cause it'd be a disaster to not play Lance, not develop Lance and not make the playoffs. Uh, if they can beat the Cowboys, I think that would, obviously be very, very, very significant uh, for Shanahan, who has had the high high of the Super Bowl and then the low lows of not making the playoffs in the other years. And I think that, by and large, if you look at any college or NFL team, I developed this thought watching college teams, but it applies to the NFL. Like, I think on the balance, your long-term, the way we evaluate a coach over 10, 15, 20 years, first is obviously the highs, like championships, conference championships, divisional championships. But I think you can tell a lot about how good a, a coach is by what are their lows, you know? Um, Clemson and Dabo Sweeney had a disappointing year. They, they won, well, they win 10 games. Yeah. Um, I think Oregon had a disappointing year of football. They uh, won 10 games. You know, they beat Ohio State on the road. They were in the Pac-12 championship game. And I think the NFL, you know, the stat about Mike Tomlin – Never been under 500. The, the Roethlisberger stat has played two games in his entire career in which he was eliminated from the playoffs. Those are also really telling. And that's where Kyle Shanahan, Kyle Shanahan has not just had the kind of filler years on a resume. I think McVay's had that. McVay's like not great years have been pretty solid. Yeah. Right. He's won the division this year, wins, goes to the playoffs. Now there's pressure on him, but I think it'll be a successful, I think it's been a successful year for the 49ers. I think um, what we've seen, which is not a lot from Trey Lance, has at least said to me, if this guy plays 17 weeks in a row, 18 weeks in a row, he will, he's got, there's a lot of clay there to mold. So I think that's promising. I, I said at the beginning of the year, I thought it would be a very fine line that uh, Cal Shanahan was going to try and walk in trying to win with, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, but also trying at at the time I thought he we I thought we were going to see some Trey Lance packages goal line that sort of thing that didn't happen, yeah. and I think it didn't happen because it's a really difficult thing to try and maneuver. It turned out the Niners were the number one touchdown scoring team in the red zone this year, so you know going to Trey Lance in the red zone 
would not have been the right alternative, even though you could see some situations where you think it would be. So I, I think all in all, it, they've it has been a um, a roller coaster for sure. But winning that Rams game, it's a thin line between disaster and success, and it was a success. And it would not it would have been a disaster if they had not made the playoffs this year. I know it's only been one season, and we're always very reactionary to what we see in one season. But do you feel comfortable with Trey Lance going forward as the starting quarterback for the 49ers over Mac Jones? Ooh, that's a good question. I was just thinking before we started this. If Mac Jones had been the Niners quarterback this year, what would it have looked like? Well, what do you think? And what position would they be in? On my question or yours? Well, yeah, yeah, on, on your question, like I've I've thought that I think they would be in the same position because Jimmy would not be on the roster. He'd probably be in New England, and Mac Jones would be the starting quarterback from the get-go for the Niners. Yeah, well, if I agree with that. The question is, would they be like would they be in the same position here in the playoffs? I think so. So uh, my conclusion as I was thinking about this uh, was that I think they might be in the same spot, yes, in the playoffs. Um, but I do think Jimmy Garoppolo is better today than Mac Jones. Mm-hmm. And so I think their ceiling is a little higher with Jimmy, even though, again, Jimmy, because Mac turned out to be a little bit more of a roller coaster than I thought he was going to be, uh, which is fine. That's He's a rookie quarterback. Like He's yeah. had, a, by every measure, a really successful rookie year. Careers are made over three and then four and then five and then six and then eight years. But he's off to a great start. I think they might be in the same spot um, because maybe they wouldn't have needed some of the spectacular stuff they needed in order to get here. But I'd be less confident in their ability to, say, beat the Cowboys on the road. Um, As it is for Trey Lance, I I still would have taken Trey Lance. Like, knowing what we know right now today, I'd still go Trey Lance over Mac Jones. But... Um, you know, I, again, I, I am not denying the possibilities with Mac Jones. I think what's, what I would not want is to be four years down the road. Now you're thinking about a contract extension for your quarterback and you're realizing contract extensions for first round quarterbacks are big contract yeah. extensions for quarterbacks are big. Does this guy have the next level that's necessary to carry a team when he's making $38 million? And I think it's, perpetually the state that any Kirk Cousins team is in. I think it's the position that the Browns are in right now with Baker. It doesn't mean they're not good quarterbacks. They're, they are. Kirk Cousins is a good quarterback. Um, but it, it, you are, there will come a time when your quarterback will get expensive. And at that point in time, he better be good enough to elevate, you know, the positions that get sacrificed a little bit because your quarterback's making a lot of money. And I think you go back to, you know, I mean, look, Georgia won the national championship with Stetson Bennett. And what does that mean? Does it mean, does that prove you don't need an elite quarterback to win the championship? Some would say, yes, I would say it doesn't prove anything. Mm -hmm. The best quarterback doesn't always win the championship, but the best quarterback will always give you the best chance to have a chance to win the championship. And, um, you know, I think often that comes down to physical traits with some exceptions. And maybe Mac Jones is one of those exceptions, but I think you lower your odds when you play in that pool from a from a physical skill standpoint. Another one of those quarterbacks that are looking to get a contract extension is Derek Carr, and he and the Raiders made the playoffs. Just you know, you knew him from Fresno State, obviously covering him with the Raiders. What are your thoughts on Derek Carr 
finally getting to the playoffs. Obviously, he was hurt the last time the Raiders made the playoffs. Just your thoughts on their tumultuous season and Derek Carr finally getting to start a playoff game. You remember who was going to save the Raiders that year? Matt McGloin. Matt McGloin was going to save the Raiders. Every postgame show with Middlecoff, oh, we got to start McGloin, man. He's the future. I don't think he said he was going to save the Raiders. No, 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 no. I'm not saying Middlecoff said that. I'm oh, saying okay. every, every, every every postgame phone call oh, was, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, it was ridiculous. Okay, just work with But then Connor Cook started that game. That's true. Um, because McGloin was really bad in the regular Well, he, he got hurt in that last game, he didn't he? got hurt, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think Derek Carr has earned the extension. I think what he's done, given the instability in the organization, is pretty impressive. I think that um, – I don't you I don't like using the word deserve, but I think he deserves the playoff opportunity. Uh, I think what they've done this year is incredible. I full dis- to be transparent. I wrote that I said they were toast after they lost the game to the Bengals. How are they going to go to Dallas on a short week and win on Thanksgiving? And they did, and it was incredible. Even after that fact, I thought they were done, and their playoffs hopes were again toast. I think I wrote them off three different times this year, and um, Derek deserves a ton of the credit for that. A ton of the credit. Um, I think he's a, 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 I think he's a very good quarterback. And, uh, you know, I know there's over the course of his career a lot of discussion about what his strengths and weaknesses are. But I think what's interesting about him is most quarterbacks that end up in that conversation do not have the athleticism or the arm strength that he has. And I think we've seen at times this year, like he, and I remember I watched it, you mentioned Fresno, he threw. He, it was bombs away with him and Devontae Adams. Like, and somewhere along the way, the conversation became, does Derek not want to throw the ball down the field? Like, mm-hmm. I, he does. And I think we've seen that at times this year. And I, even the development with Zay Jones, I, you know, the rugs thing, devastating in real life. From a football standpoint, it was finally what Derek needed, which was a real downfield threat. And it was working. It was working. Especially this year, it was evolving and it was working. So uh, I'm excited to see him in the postseason. The Burrow matchup. This is why winning the game was such a big deal, not tying. Like you'd yeah. much rather play the Bengals 100%. than the Chiefs. <laughs> I remember I heard this stat a few weeks ago. The Raiders, I don't have it exactly, but the Raiders point, you might know it. The Raiders point differential this year was like minus 64. And is it really? Like minus 60 of it is the Chiefs. Oh, yeah, I, I believe that. <laughs> if you take out, now again, if you take out, if you take out the Chiefs two games in the Bengals game, the Raiders have a, positive point differential right um so i think they're in a good position here i think they're in a good position here uh i would be very hesitant to extend rich Basaccia, even though i think what he's done this year is incredible but i'm always very hesitant to extend interim coaches because your team made a great run even though it's a it is an accomplishment that he gets a lot of credit for that was going to be my follow-up question to you. Rich Bisaccia, obviously, first interim head coach to take a team to the playoffs. However, there are the rumors of Jim Harbaugh, and you and John love Jim Harbaugh. I've always talked about him. What would your reaction be if Jim Harbaugh became the head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders? I think it'd be fantastic. I would assume Vic Vanjo would become his defensive coordinator. Yeah, probably. Which, you know, I mean, Gus has done a good job with the Raiders' defense this year. But I think it'd be a home run. I think it was close to happening when Jim left the Niners. I think it's natural. Um, you know, Mark Davis's circle of influence is not very big in terms of, you know, we know it's Ron Wolf and the late John Madden, Marcel Reese, maybe Charles Woodson. Um, no more Greg Papa as the shadow GM of the Raiders. <laughs> 
So, uh, you know, if we if we work from within that circle, you go, what makes sense? Gruden made sense, but now mm -hmm. that's out. I think one day it'll be interesting to see once he's kind of exhausted the people that he knows who become, wh what does he do? But I think Harbaugh makes a ton of sense for the Raiders. I think it makes sense for Jim. And uh, I was I haven't found my answer to this. I don't know if you have an answer to this. I don't know how many playoff games Rich Bisaccia would have to win for me to go, you know what? Forget about Jim. You got to give the job it. to Rich Bisaccia. Forget about it. You got to <laughs> give the job to Rich Bisaccia. Uh, but I know this. Beating the Bengals would not be enough for me to feel that way. Beating the Chiefs. I mean, that'd be big. And going to the conference championship game, be like, I might have to feel that way if you do that. If you go to the Super Bowl, then you definitely have to give him the job. Yeah. Because I do think there's some element of, like, hey, let, let's not outsmart ourselves here. I love Jim Harbaugh as my head coach. But, I mean, the guy just, what am I trying to do? I'm trying to go to the AFC championship game. If this guy beats the Chiefs and does that, it's like, uh, the. How do I, yeah. God just put it in my lap. What am I supposed to do with this? I think it's interesting, though, when teams already have their mind made up of what they want to do, regardless of the outcomes of wins or losses, they're just going to do that. Like, I think regardless of whatever Jerry Goff did last season, they were going after Sean McVay. Same thing with Jimmy Garoppolo. If the Niners go on to win the Super Bowl, they're still getting rid of him in the offseason. I think the Raiders have already made their mind up. It's a great story of Rich Passaccia, fantastic. But in the end, they know that they want a high-profile head coach there. And look, it's always easy to talk about this stuff from the outside, yeah. right? Dave Chappelle is still explaining himself for why he <laughs> left the Chappelle show, but it was legitimate reasons for him. Yeah. And, um, you know, the Raiders ultimately know what they think about how much of this is because of Rich Passaccia. Yeah. Right. They know what they yeah. think about that. So it, they might look at it like, and I, and I don't know, but you could construct a scenario where you go, look, man, I, Gus is running the defense. We got Derek, thank goodness, running the offense. And uh, with an experienced offensive coordinator. And that's what it is. And we're very thankful to Rich. And he deserves, he, he, he this is an A-plus level job he's done. This is incredible. But it hasn't changed our mind. We don't think he's a better coach than Jim Harbaugh. And so we're going to hire Jim Harbaugh. And I would support and understand that. I think it's, I would be very, very, always very, very, very careful about, I know it's great to be like, go into the locker room, team celebrating a win. And on top of that, and he's our guy. The place goes nuts. And that moment's amazing, but it doesn't necessarily mean that's what's best for the long term of the franchise. Would it be a slap in the face if Jim Harbaugh said, I would want you to come back as special teams coach? I don't think so. What? Because special teams coaches, what else? Where, where do they go if they're not head coaches? Yeah, that's a good point. No, I mean, I mean, nowhere. Like you, you know, John Harbaugh was a special teams coordinator, and he became a head coach. It's only one of the few times I've seen that. Bones Fossil has always been a special teams coach. I mean, I think Bill Cowher was special teams coordinator, then he became a defensive coordinator. But Rich Passaccia has been coaching for thirty years now. Like either he's getting a head coaching job with the Raiders, or it's back to being a special teams coach at this point. What's Joe Judge's next job? Probably Alabama offensive coordinator. You think Joe Judge is going to call offense for Alabama? Wasn't he the wide receiver coach with the Patriots? Well, he was the spe well, I thought he was a special teams coach. But I, I, he knows offense a little bit. I would not be the least bit surprised if Harbaugh jumped ship. 
Bill O'Brien takes the Michigan job and Joe Judge gets the Alabama OC job? Uh, he, he, he was special teams coordinator slash wide receiver coach in 2019. Yeah, he coached a little offense. Okay. I mean, Raheem Morris became <laughs> – Raheem Morris coached wide offense for like coach. four years. Yeah. Pass game coordinator for the Falcons before yeah. – um. Dan Quinn put everybody's name in a hat and uh, pulled out Raheem as the defensive coordinator. <laughs> it was last year in Atlanta. Yeah. You, you know, Mike Nolan was like a wide receiver coach for a year, and then he became a defensive coordinator, like between jobs. Yeah. It's interesting. Like Sometimes coaches just take jobs because they know a little bit about that side of the ball. But, yeah, he's he coached a year of offense and then stayed uh, the course with defense. Yeah, sometimes there's just a spot on the staff, and so you exactly. got to plug a guy in somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so no, I don't think it'd be a slap in the face to make him the special teams coordinator. Yeah. I mean, he probably, yeah, I mean, he probably would say, uh, and the coach, what if he wins the coach of the year award and he's the special teams coordinator with the coach of the year trophy in his office? That would, that that, would be tough. That would, that would be tough. (laughs) I don't think he's going to win head coach of the year though. I think they're probably getting to Rabel or Belichick or somebody. I'd give it to Belichick. Would you? Okay. Or Zach Taylor. But then again, that may be a bit, a lot of Joe Burrow more than Zach Taylor this year for the sports writers eyes. Yeah, at some point, I mean, but they drafted Jamar Chase. Maybe yeah. Mike Brown will win his like third executive of the year award. <laughs> um, yeah, I, you know, I think we've we've done this with um, uh, mm, uh, with Lafleur and Green Bay, where it's at a certain point. Yeah, Aaron gets a lot of credit, but when your record is like whatever his record is, yeah, what is his record now? Oh, he's only lost uh, nine games in three years. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's like. So at some point he's going to have to get the credit. Now that day will come when Jordan Love, you know, takes him to yeah. the playoffs, which yeah. may never come. But anyway, yep, I go Belichick. I think he's the best coach in the league. Yeah, and uh, he might get bounced this week, but um, I'd go Belichick. That's a tough matchup. Yeah, I, I'd say probably Belichick, but I think Vrabel just you know not having Derrick Henry there oh, and legit. Whether you're you say they're deserving of the one seed, uh, they got the one seed. So props to them. Yeah, I mean, and the fact is that there are more than one worthy coach of the year candidate every single year. Yeah. 100%. Every year. Um, switching gears to college football. Uh, you obviously do PAC 12 network. You're a friends of Fresno state alum. Um, I watched Jake Hayner play at UCLA and he put on a show. Were you at that the game? Was, yeah. I was doing stats for, uh, for Ted Robinson uh, and Yogi Roth. Yep. Yep. Doing stats for them. That's right. And it was fantastic. He, I want to say he threw for 400 yards, four touchdowns, whatever it was. Fantastic game. And then you see all the stuff with transfer portals going on. So he was originally at Washington, correct? Correct. He was the Washington quarterback when, and then um, he was the one of the one of their quarterbacks. Uh, and then Jacob Eason transferred from right. Georgia, and they had a quarterback competition, and Jacob Eason was named the starter. So then Hainer goes to Fresno State, has this fantastic season, and I heard him on with you guys. Sounds like a great guy. Then he's debating of, I guess, the rumors were he was going to transfer back to Washington, and then that doesn't happen, and he apologized to everybody. He's staying at Fresno State. So what's going on with Jake Hayner? I like him a lot. I, you guys were talking about like his draft stock going forward. I think he's fantastic. Um, but what's going on with him as far as sticking with Fresno State and everything? Yeah, and so the other for people that didn't follow that, the other part of this, that, right, the other ingredient there is that Fresno State's coach went to Washington. That's right. Yes. To become Washington's coach, Kalen DeBoer. And so, um, you know, I think it was really awkward for him because he put out a statement like, thank you, Fresno. 
And, uh, you know, what's interesting about him is I think most people in college football hold your opinion that he's really good. And, uh, you know, if he wanted to leave, he would have had a lot of options, uh, not just Washington, right? Lane Kiffin, like every quarterback in the portal, I hear like, you know, Lane might get him at Ole Miss. It's nonstop Lane. Uh, I was talking to somebody the other day about Jackson Dart, USC's quarterback who just went into the portal because people think they're going to get, maybe by the time you listen to this, we know the answer. Caleb Williams, maybe from Oklahoma to come play for Lincoln Riley. And, um, you know, I think every, every guy that comes up, it, it becomes like a lane connection. Yeah. But I'm a huge fan of Jake. I think he's tough as hell. I think he proved that in that UCLA game. And, uh, as the year went on playing through injuries, I think he's very good. And I think what's great for him in staying is the Jeff Tedford's the new coach at Fresno state. And, mm. uh, Jeff did a great job when he was at Fresno state last time before he had to step down for medical issues. From what I've heard, he's healthy. Um, a lot of the skill guys are back. Fresno's got good skill guys, guys that you know, skill guys that could play in the Pac-12 receivers, running backs, and obviously Jake. So um, I think they're going to have a a big year. I think Tedford's going to be really good for him. And I think you know one of the reasons he's back is because I would imagine the um, feedback he got from the NFL was that, th- that he wasn't going to be like a you know a first day or right. obviously not a first day, a second day pick. You know, he's got to overcome some of. Um, his physicality just his size but i think his arm's pretty good and again he's tough um and i don't i i do i i don't you can always lose no doubt by coming back to school stock but i think you can also gain stock and um i think he's gonna have an opportunity in the nfl you know how much of an opportunity is hard because where you get drafted in some part dictates how much opportunity you have you know i mean look at davis mills who didn't mm-hmm. play a lot of football he only played 14 games at stanford in his career yeah, 14 games. Um, and he was the second pick of the third round behind Kellen Mond, who played almost 50 games at Texas A&M. If Davis Mills played 50 games at Stanford, he's not getting drafted behind Kellen Mond. He's going no. in the first round. Physically, he is very unique. He's big. He's athletic. He's got a strong arm. He's smart, good leader, all that stuff. Uh, but there was just not a lot of data on him. So, as you know, everything's a sliding scale. How many games have you played? How good do I think you are? How good do I think you can be? How old are you? Blah, 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 blah. And because Davis Mills was a third-round pick, there's more flexibility in Houston than if he had been some – you know, if somebody had taken him 17th, then you're committed. You're all in. Take him at the top of the third round, you can mess around a little bit. You can try and bring Deshaun back. You could try and – I mean, honestly, they could trade him, I think, what would they get for Davis Mills? This is right way, now. This is a departure from the question you asked, but would they uh, get a better pick than they used on him right now? I would say he'd probably go for like a third or a fourth round pick after one season of football. Yeah, which I would not trade him for a third or a fourth round pick if I were them. Right. I, I mean, they like on him. Them. Yeah. And he might be a starting quarterback. He's which the second best in- rookie quarterback in the league this year. Oh, 100%. He's not saying a lot, but yeah. So anyway, sorry, that's a long way from Jake Hanner, but I like Jake Hanner. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what he does because uh, I was very impressed with that game at uh, UCLA. You and I have been texting this whole season uh, about Manning cast and the future of Monday Night Football. Yeah. And so I've had the idea, and it's not just my idea. People have written about this, that it's no secret Al Michaels contract is up with Sunday night football after the season. And he's taken off games all the time. Tariko fills in and you hear the rumors that Al Michaels wants to keep going and Peyton Manning has refused Monday night football because he wants to work with Al Michaels. 
I've had the idea. I've texted with you that I see Peyton Manning leaving the Manning cast, just, you know, not doing it and joining Al Michaels in the booth for a traditional Monday night football broadcast. And as time has gone on and people love this thing and the ratings it's getting and the money that Amazon is rumoredly offering Peyton and Eli to jump ship at ESPN to do the same thing on Amazon. I don't know if this is going away. And, um, you know, you hear what's going on with ESPN. They're going to do a K-Rod broadcast with Michael K and Alex Rodriguez during Sunday night football or Sunday night baseball broadcasts. It's the same thing of kind of like a podcast style of watching a game as a play-by-play guy. What do you think the future of game broadcasts are going to be? Is it going to be a traditional, you know, first and 10, I tell you what's going on in the game like you do and my pops do, or is it going to be like superstars paid demanding Alex Rodriguez, just bullshitting about a game while it's on? Yeah, it's interesting. I think a lot of people are aiming for a second screen type situation, uh, but you can't listen. Oh, I mean, I do, but yeah. for most listening to two games at once is not something you do with multiple people and it's not enjoyable for most people. I think Manning cast is great. I think it's also unique. Um, I love it. Sometimes I find myself wanting them to talk about the game more. Yes. And um, I do think there are a lot of people that want to watch the game. And so you have to find the sweet spot there. I mean, their guests are really cool, but there are times I just like, I got Peyton and Eli here. So there are times where I would like, but that's, that's nitpicking. That's a little thing, right? It's not really what you're asking. Um, I think, I don't know what the answer is. I think that there is a meld of both that can be really good, but it takes the right people. And that's a difficult thing, right? To try and capture Manning cast in somebody else's show without the Mannings with somebody else. That can be difficult Mm -hmm. because games are complicated. And I think one of the things that was great about John Madden is that he entertained you and taught you about football. And we were into the game together, right? Like the game is when it's good, what we're coming for. And I think, you know, one of the things the Manning cap, uh, the Manning cast shows is that maybe it's, it, it illuminates how hard it is for a regular broadcast to capture some of, of that, yeah. but it's not because a regular broadcast constrains you too much. It's because it's hard. There's one John Madden. I think an entertaining quote unquote game broadcast for me is still particularly for a big game by far and away, my preferred way to watch a game. Mm-hmm. But I watch the Manning cast a lot because, you know, some nights I was watching, I don't know, what were some of these Monday night games? Like a lot of them didn't look like Niners Rams or Raiders chargers. No. Right. Like if you're watching Niners Rams from Sunday, do you want, a casual second screen experience as your primary broadcast, or do you want a game broadcast that has an entertaining analyst and gives you some of the fun that a Manning cast gives you, but also gives you the focus on the game that a regular game broadcast gives you. I think the beauty is in podcasting and YouTube and, you know, whatever you want to point to shows this, there is a place for a lot of these things. But I know for me, I love Manning Cast. I love second screen experiences. But for a big game, I am watching the game yeah. first and foremost. And I think what would be interesting is Manning on a on a traditional Al Michaels 
Monday Night Football telecast. One of the reasons Manningcast is great for Peyton is because Peyton does not talk in 10-second sound bites. No. The way an analyst kind of needs to in a game. And that sounds different and that's cool, but I do I would be very interested A does he would he rather do that than this? Because this thing you're right is gaining momentum. It's not as many viewers as like what a primo Monday night game would be, but it's get it's it's building. It's got mm-hmm. momentum. Would he prefer to just hang out on his couch with Eli, talk to the coaches on the phones, not fly to the game? Maybe. There is something irreplaceable about being part of the show. Yeah. Not that he, when I say the show, I mean like the booth that gets the 50 yard line at the game. You're not in the game, but it's about as close as you can get, I think. Mm. And um, I wonder if if he tasted that rush, what he'd rather do, the game broadcast or the Manning cast broadcast. Because to me, the ideal broadcast is you get the anybody you work at NFL Network, mm-hmm. any analyst that's ever transitioned from playing to being an analyst, which is every analyst, basically. At some point or another, has heard somebody give them some advice, like, "All right, now remember, before you start, just just talk to me like I'm sitting next to you yeah. at the bar." Yeah, <laughs> which is such cliche advice, but there's truth to it, and it's hard to actually be that to broadcast that way. But to me, if you can broadcast that way, that is the ideal broadcast, which is a broadcast that focuses on the game, but also feels like you're just talking ball with a buddy. That still would be the number one show to me. The game where the the game gets the biggest part of the screen, and yet you're also having fun with the analyst. So um, I think there's place for both things. I'd be fascinated if Peyton got the chance to do it. Like, let's say they're paying him. It's like all it comes down to is which one is more fun for him. Mm-hmm. Which one would be more fun for him? I don't know. Well, you think they have to give? They've given him the opportunity. To, they, they have before. They were going to make right. him the highest paid analyst in football, and he's turned it down every time. So you have to believe that. Well, why, my question is why? Is it is it just that he doesn't want to get in the plane? He likes being home. He likes not having to do every week's games. You, you know, to me, watching him initially. Um, I remember when he retired his first year, uh, leaving the game, he went in the booth with Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth and he was stiff. Like for it was a Bronco the, game. Yeah, Trevor, it was a Bronco game. Yeah. And he was, I, I remember I, was, I think it was with you guys and I was saying like, I, he, he looked very stiff mm-hmm. and I think he probably didn't think that he would do a good job initially. So he's trying this Manny cast out and he, he's great on TV. He breaks it down perfectly. I'm with you. I, can't stand when they have Snoop Dogg or Charles Barkley. I'm like, I love those guys, but like, I'm watching a game right now, and I could just see it in Peyton Manning's eye where he's like, they're talking about whatever they're talking about, and he's like, I'd rather just talk about this terrible pass that Jalen Hurts just threw. Sometimes you can see he's almost going to burst. Here's the other fundamental problem with it. The other fundamental problem with it is it's like uh, there is a delay when they yeah, talk. To there's each a bad other. delay. There's a bad delay. So at some point, eventually, if you're going to do it like as well as you can do it when you're doing a live game. Uh, you kind of got to be in the same place. Yeah, one hundred percent. I know you got to run, man, but I want to get a few th- thoughts on a few things. Um, we always talk about this when we work together. Curb your enthusiasm. You see the new season. What you think of it? So I haven't finished the new season yet. I was like watching every episode immediately through. Uh, what was the last episode I watched? Did you see the one where he becomes friends with the KKK guy? 
Yes, which was an incredible episode. That's a great episode, but in my opinion, that was the only good one of the season. The show was taking a turn. I don't know what's up with it lately. <laughs> um, you know, I would you know, you miss Funkhauser. Oh can, god, yeah. I, and Vince Vaughn, like he just came out of nowhere. The the Vince Vaughn, but Vince entertains me. Yeah. The the dynamic of the show he's producing and Maria Sophia. <laughs> I mean, I guess the whole thing is predicated on premises that are out, outlandish, right? Yep, of course. Um, yeah, I would say by his standard, it's been... Look, I love the show. I can watch 20 episodes of Seinfeld in a row. Yeah. I am. I feel like a, a, a like tier one Curb Your Enthusiasm lover. Yeah. But I can't watch... like I can't sit down and watch like four episodes in a row. I need a break from Larry. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I, feel, no, I have to have dark thoughts. <laughs> you know if i watch like three in a row I'm like i i hate everybody yeah um so uh yeah i i was entertained by it but i guess maybe all the evidence you need to give you a short answer i whatever i i need more jb smooth too i can't yeah. get enough of jb they've they've definitely towed down uh leon i've noticed I, I don't know if like you know what it is but like uh he's not in a lot of episodes lately it's so good he's the so episode good. where leon just starts helping everybody with their negotiations and it all yes. falls apart that was, I mean, they have moments good. of brilliance. Like one of my favorite moments of the season was uh, they're at the grocery store and Larry's telling JB Smooth, there's nothing wrong with liking water. <laughs> that was great. But like, here's an example, I think, of what you're talking about. The, the the episode that centered on being at the center of the table during a dinner party. Yes. That's a really funny thought. Just went on too long. It, yeah. yeah. That in like... Uh, the fake funeral in the first episode with Albert Brooks was very weird. The fake funeral was weird, yes. It, it was very weird. Uh, another quick question for you. I don't know if you noticed the shirt I'm wearing. No, I can't see it. Okay, it says, does it look like I give a shit? This is oh uh, Elias' shirt from back in the day. Where's Elias? Where's, where, what is he up to? So Elias w- runs Sherman Market Liquor Store, owns Sherman Market Liquor Store on the corner of uh, Franklin and Union Street in San Francisco. Anybody who knows the area knows it. It's your classic liquor store. He owns a couple. He knows. He owns another one. He owns some real estate. He exports Teslas to Jordan. Um, so that's he's just, that's what he's doing. You know, he's living large. Lives in the South <laughs> Bay, but commutes. And um, yeah, man, he's he lives a good life. He's in there most days, not every day. His his brother in law is in there usually on the other days. And on like a holiday, if it's like New Year's Eve, they'll put like yeah. his brother in law's son. They'll make him work that night so they can have right. the holiday off. Um, but uh, yeah. He's good, man. He's had to replace his front door a couple of times. Somebody <laughs> drove through it to bust in. But uh, he is, um, yeah, those are the shirts he gave away there. He used to come yeah. on the podcast and make bets. He always bets. Or he used to come on the radio show and make bets. Well, but my question was going to be, there. Is, is, has, there any, has there been any talks about having him, like, FaceTime or whatever, come on the podcast and give his lock of the week? He's done it a few. We've had it. We've done it once or twice. Um he used to tell a joke. Remember, he'd come on radio and tell. Oh yeah, no, oh, yeah. Joke. And it was always on the edge of whether this was a appropriate <laughs> for radio and b appropriate for like modern society, right? Because all the joke always ended with like, "What? I hate my wife," you know, something <laughs> like that. Um. So yeah, go see Elias if you're uh, if you're anybody if you're in the city if you're if you're coming to the city and you're like you gotta you know Coit Tower check that off, Alcatraz check that off. Go see Elias. Check that off. Oh yeah, it's a it's, it's a tourist attraction. Have you been there? I guess you have because you got the T-shirt. No, he came in studio one time oh, and gave us uh, some hummus and some T-shirts. He, he brought he brought uh, food from Taboon, his favorite right. Mediterranean restaurant in San Francisco. Yeah. yeah, 
Well, Guy, I know you got to run, man, but I appreciate you making time for me. And uh, we had a great conversation brought to you by Tito's. I hope <laughs> <to> the mail. <laughs> as always, Derek, it's great to see you, man. Same here, man. Thanks as always. All right, you got it. Well, that's the interview with uh, Guy Haberman. That was um, awesome. And I've noticed that I say 100% a shit ton. I got to stop saying that. 100%. Like, like, yeah, like a confirmation to you, a confirmation to anybody. Like, yeah, 100%, man. Like, I don't know. That's not a thing I say in normal life. I don't know why I'm saying that on a podcast. Um, yeah, thanks again to Guy Haberman for joining us. Uh, that was awesome. Uh, good, always great to go back to, uh, down memory lane and talk about uh, all the times I freaked out over Raider games and was just a curmudgeon the next day. Um, life's better now, Alon, when you're not, uh, when you're not a fan. A yeah, exactly. Yeah, when, I don't, when, you, I don't, when I don't you're really a, die with every result. You're a fan of the sport. You're a fan, I'm a of, fan the, of the sport in general. I, in I, general. I always, I'm always happy when football's <clears> on because that means it's a good day. Now I just get mad when the Warriors lose or the A's go to Vegas. Well, um, I get mad at the A's pretty much all the time. And yeah, yeah. Uh, when the Warriors lose, it's it's that weird feeling of like not supposed to lose. What the hell is exactly. going on? Yeah, um, I love real quick. I loved what you and Guy were talking about about the whole Manning cast thing. I thought that that's was what so, I wanted to bring up with you. Okay, that was so good. Well, so you want to get into play by play, and it's an interesting conversation. You are calling plays. I'm sorry, yep. calling plays. You are. You are I wish are I was calling plays. plays. Yeah. <laughs> you are calling games uh, in Nevada, and you're very traditional, like me. Of like, we grew up on a certain style of of play by play broadcasting, and that's changing. You know, yes. I obviously grew up with my dad doing play by play and a bunch of guys, and I, that's just what I know of watching a game is you watch two guys in a booth, uh, one of, you know, a play-by-play guy and one an analyst, you know, doing the whole game. And Manning Cast is very good. Um, it's interesting. I Like I said in the interview with Guy, I, you know, I don't care for the interviews. I'm more so interested in what Peyton and Eli see during a game. And, you know, they're going to do the same thing with Sunday Night Baseball, which I find ridiculous. Like, Michael Kane and Alex Rodriguez are fine, but they're not as, not as interesting to watch during a baseball game. I don't, I don't need it to be the, the A-Rod show. Like, yeah. I like A-Rod in the booth when he does break something down or when he actually does talk about baseball because, I mean, he clearly knows a lot about baseball. But so, like, when he, when it was him, Vascursion, and Mendoza, I actually thought that was a really good balance. Uh, I did when too. They were, when they were in the booth together. And then – yeah, I don't know if I need to hear A Rod like talk. I don't know. It's just kind of it's it's baseball's already pretty slow, so you can talk about whatever you want. I don't know how well this is going to work with baseball. Like I think the ratings are going to be terrible for it. Who's going to want who's who's going to want to listen to that rather than like the actual you know play by play person for? The well, game? I think they're going to run out of stuff pretty fast. Like if it's anything like the Manning cast, there are lulls in that. Like there, like I oh, said, yeah. the guy, there's a delay. And it's kind of funny with the Manning cast, like for every great moment you maybe do get with like a Marshawn Lynch or like when Tom Brady was on or something like that, you get some real like clunkers when they're interviewing other people. Yeah. So like the, the Wi-Fi is bad or whatever. Yeah. The wi- like when Draymond Dream Green was on. Yeah. His, his yeah, thing was like wah, 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 wah. Yeah. yeah. And it was just um, like, man, come on. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it, uh, Michael Kay and Alex Rodriguez are probably going to have to be in the same room together. Like it's it's just not – I don't know. And, you know, we were watching national championship, but there's multiple broadcasts for that. 
Uh, did you watch the traditional broadcast or did you? I, did. I watched yeah. the traditional broadcast. I always do. Like they have the coaches one, which I have some buddies who love watching. I'm like, I hate, I don't want to listen to that. Like, and I don't want to listen to the players one. I don't want to listen to like, I just, I don't, first of all, when you watch those, the game's all always in a smaller screen. That's that's mm-hmm. the biggest thing that kills it for me. So I'd it rather takes away from the focus of the game. Yeah, I'd rather watch the game and listen to to what you know Herb Street and Fowler do. And uh, yeah, like I know some people really love like the coaches cast, and I'm like, I just if it was a smaller game, maybe. But when the game when all the chips are on the table, like and it's a big, it's a huge game. I don't want there to be and what you guys were talking about during the interview. I don't want the emphasis to be taken off of the game. I want it yeah. all to be about the game and what's going on on the field, not when we called this play, you know, three weeks ago or all this other crap. Yeah. And, but I feel like that's the way things are going. Like, you know, we talk about this great game between the Niners and Cowboys happening on Saturday. And at the same time, if you're of a certain age or you're just a goofy bastard like me, you're going to be interested in the Nickelodeon broadcast with uh, Noah Eagle and Nate Burleson. I actually do like Nickelodeon broadcast a few times. It's really, I love the graphics that they use. It's fun. I mean, shit, I grew up on Nickelodeon. You grew up on Nickelodeon. When's the last time you actually sat down and watched Nickelodeon? I watch SpongeBob every now and then still on (laughs) Nickelodeon. Um, Do you, you, by the way, do you know the panty raid episode is taken off of Amazon prime? Why? Or any other streaming? Why is it? Because they, they don't want kids. You know, know what's great about that too is they end up doing the panty raid, and it's Mr. Krabs' mom. I know. Oh, <laughs> are you are you feeling it now, Mr. Krabs? When they're trying to take him out for a great time. That's that's such a great episode. No, I, hey, I watched the Nickelodeon one. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I'm just thinking of the I'm thinking of the episode now. Just uh, hey boys, what are you doing? Hanging out? Yes. It's yes. just Patrick and his huge gut. <laughs> SpongeBob is still to me some of the funniest stuff you'll ever see, and you know, it's a great show. Yeah. Absolutely, and then even even the newer ones, even the newer seasons, they're really weird and out. I have, I have, I, I, I can't say I've kept up with SpongeBob with the newer episodes, but uh, it's, it's still really holds a, hold, hold, a close place to my heart. It's totally weird, but uh, it's worth watching. That being said, I will I'll tune into like Nickelodeon broadcasts and stuff just for a few plays. Just to, it's zany what they do in the end zone and stuff, but I won't well, watch the whole podcast there. If the game's close, I'm gonna have a hard time doing that. So that, that yeah. with anything like. Like Guy was saying, there's a, there was a lot of clunkers for Monday Night Football games this year, and that's oh. when I flipped over and said, okay, you know, this game's over. It's well in hand. Let me, let me hear what Peyton and Eli are saying. It was more entertaining than the game itself. Right. And there's talks. Yeah. They're talking about, you know, they want to take the Manning cast off of ESPN and put it on Amazon Prime uh, if they're willing to, you know, negotiate that for a you know bigger sum of money. They do and that. How- then just start watching their Monday Night Football through Amazon Prime because they don't want to pay for ESPN. Well, no, they'll be it'll be for Thursday Night Football. They want oh, them for the Thursday Night Package because oh, Thursday yeah. Night Football will exclusively be on yeah. Amazon Prime. True. And there are talks of whether or not they're going to have Marshawn Lynch be the sideline reporter for that. That's so they're they're, they're going be, out there. Like I don't outrageous. know. It, it would be outrageous. Imagine him just being like, "Hey, I'm fucking out here and yeah. shit." <laughs> I smoked a blunt before I came in. Remember when he lit, tried to light his blunt on the Al Davis Memorial torch? The, the, the last Raider game I went to with uh, what yeah. we thought was going to be the last game in Oakland. I can't, <laughs> I can't yeah. believe you did. Yeah. yeah. Uh, 
I want to say he was on like you know the fan controlled football league that happened this past off season. That fan con- yeah. it didn't Johnny Manziel make a short appearance in that league? I don't even know. He he's he's been in every you know off season football league. league. Yeah, yeah. You get to call the plays. Yeah, U- USFL is happening this off season. But I remember Marshawn Lynch was uh, anal- a guest analyst for one for one game, and they were like, uh, "Marshawn, what are you doing after the game?" He was like, "Gonna get myself something to eat, take myself a fat shit, <laughs> go do something that's else." Great. Great. So that's what they're going to be getting if he's going to be the sideline reporter. Well, I don't know. See, that's the thing. Like, I don't know what they're going for with Amazon Prime. And the bigger question I have to you, Alon, is. You're a guy that's trying to break into the industry of play-by-play. And I don't know if that traditional way of doing it is going to survive much longer because we've, you know, all this new stuff is happening. At the end of the day, people still want to watch the game. Despite what we think of Steve Levy, uh, the Monday Night Football broadcast outrates Manny Cass. So that's still alive. It's true. But do, do you think there will become a day where you, if you want to break into this industry, are going to have to change your style of not being a traditional play-by-play guy and just kind of like, you know, be a guy on a couch, be a guy at a bar, just watching a game with a former athlete, and it's going to be more of a podcast setting. I think that's going to happen. I don't think it happens anytime I shouldn't say anytime soon. I don't think that becomes the primary anytime soon. But I do think there's going to be two different veins uh, or avenues for it. One of the good things about it, though, uh, in terms of growth for the industry is it does give a lot of people opportunities who are maybe more on the podcast or radio uh, show host side of things to, like, break into that industry. The problem is, is, like, maybe I'm out of touch, but that's not the experience that I'm generally looking for first when I'm going to watch or listen to a game. So <laughs> I think here, here's one thing. I think you can definitely do it with a visual medium. So um, radio play-by-play is never going to change. It has to stay that way because you only have you all you have is the ability to describe what's happening. You're well, not going to be real quick. Yeah. Just, I don't mean to cut you off, but did you hear what the Red Sox were trying to do a couple years ago? No. What were they trying to do? So they were they were talking about. I mean, Red Sox games do amazing on their affiliate radio station. Oh, yeah. Their their flagship station. I mean, like Red Sox baseball is huge. There was talks at one point that they were thinking about having not play by play guys or the traditional voices of Red Sox baseball do the games. They were going to have their radio show personalities do the games, take calls during the games, like try to still describe what's going on in the game, but treat it like that's, a radio show. That's horrific. Yeah, I, and and it didn't happen. Thank God. Thank God. That's a bastardization of of all things that's nice about listening to sports on the radio. That sounds awful. Um, No. So, okay. So on the radio, I mean, things kind of have to stay the way they are on television. They don't because especially with all the different screens and stuff. So like, yeah, I mean, if you want to have like that secondary experience or whatever it is, it's not the primary. Sure. I think the issue that you can run into is I think although it might seem like the like trendy and sexy thing to like kind of change things up and go into this more player centric and kind of more like casual space of talking about the game, I think when the stakes for the game are higher or when the game is more competitive, I think it kind of loses some of the allure, some of the um, attraction to it. So for instance, like I think when the game's really important, it's, it really is tough to want to like, 
not be, you know, if you really do care and have a vested interest in, in whatever the event is, it's, it's tough to go and, you know, go to a secondary experience and not have all the pop and circumstance that, you know, the, that, that a regular broadcast has. That being said, like to kind of answer the question, I do think it's going more in that direction of getting more players on and more um, interviews and things like that. But there is there is going to be a balance struck. I think if anything needs to happen, I think probably analysts just maybe need some more screen time, and that's probably the way to or or mic time, and that's probably the way to balance things out. I don't know what that looks like, but uh, but incorporating that probably saves us from getting like you know the all Manning cast for every th- single sport. And so it works with Peyton Manning and Eli Manning, but like you said, like is it going to work the K Rod thing or like no. when I was I was texting you about my idea, like the the Aussie Guillen Big Poppy cast, like, <laughs> which I would watch that. <laughs> I mean, but yeah, yeah. Not, I just don't think I I don't know. What could you imagine one for bat? Do they do what? Well, you know what? Basketball does the players only thing. They do like that. That's kind of the original thing. And Greg Anthony's like actually pretty good at it. No, he's good at play-by-play, but they, yeah. they, they got they, they got rid of the players' only thing. They got um, rid of it. Do you I'm, remember when started that? What's up? Do you remember how that kind of started the whole? thing? I do. Yeah. I mean, originally it was interesting, but I also thought those guys really aren't good calling a game. No. Um So Greg they, Anthony, I mean, yeah, one. Greg Anthony was the only one good at doing play-by-play. I mean, yeah, like when you have to know, you know, you have to read the room, like. Can you imagine if the Niners Rams game was on Manning cast or Raiders chargers like that game is so much going on. It's so dramatic. And to be like, all right, guys, uh, this game's going to overtime. So let's bring in Snoop Dogg. Like it just, it kills the vibe of like everything. But I will say this. I think that a lot of traditional play by play booths are kind of going the route of like, let's have fun. Let's dick around a little bit. Too much, too much on some of these networks. Perfect example. We'll see him on Sunday calling the uh, uh, Niners and Cowboys game. Tony Romo was brilliant. No, yeah, I mean, seriously. Tony yeah. Romo, when he first became a broadcaster, he, I thought he was annoying a little bit because he was talking a mile a minute and talking over Jim Nance and everything. It was like, oh, he's going to score, Jim. He's going to score. And it was funny, like initially, like, you know, him calling every play, like, oh, they're going to do this here. And he used to get excited just being like, oh, Jim, oh, Tony. <laughs> um, and they, they, they've had fun with that. Frank Kelly, I don't make fun of them. But I think some producer has gotten into Tony Romo's ear to tell him, like, hey, start cracking jokes. Start being funny. Like, we don't need you to be the X's and O guy. Like, you know, when something calls for that attention, go do that. But, you know, have fun. Be funny. And Tony Romo is not funny. There's no. I, I've listened He's to him now. Out. What's say, sorry, say again. Funny when he talks about football. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You know, but, but like, you know, like this past week, Jim Nance was out dealing with COVID protocols. He'll be back for the Niners and Cowboys game. But Tom McCarthy had to fill in. And it was the most awkward thing where Tom McCarthy would tell these jokes and Tony Romo would be like, oh, I see what you're doing there, Tom. I see what you're doing there. And it just wasn't it wasn't good. And I feel like that's I feel like producers are like trying to make like not fully, but like first take or any of those dumbass shows, a part <laughs> of play by play. Like, I think Joe Buck and Troy Aikman get a lot of shit, but for the most part, they're pretty good. Even they're though awesome. Joe Joe Buck is kind of, 
you know, kind of like in the Pat Summerall way of just like kind of understating things, even though he gets amped up for certain moments. Yeah. But I'll always remember the NFC Championship game where he just Mitchell, Mitchell, Mitchell yeah. down to the 20. Um, they'll, they'll, they'll openly shit on a game if it sucks. Mm-hmm. Like Joe Buck and Troy Aikman have no problem saying, well, this game's not great. And they'll just, they'll just like, all right, catch all the reaction tomorrow on Good Morning Football. Oh, I love Peter Schrager. Uh, just like, you know, goofy shit like that. I like Chris Collinsworth. They have a blast. Yeah. Um, but you really, really do. They really are having fun. Both those you know, guys but, are, are probably actually funny. Yeah. Um, I think it happens a lot more in the NBA. Like, pregame shows to the actual game broadcast where we saw it for the Warriors dominance. I, something's happened in sports media now where people are homers. Like they'll yeah. openly root for their favorite team on a national broadcast. So many times now the jump or whatever show is like, man, the Warriors, I'm so sick of them. And it's just like, can't you just like talk about like how good they are? Like it's got to be like, ah, oh, God, they're ruining basketball. This sucks. Kevin Durant's soft. It's just like that, they're ruining basketball. Like not to go all the way in the past, but that was such BS. It was. And it's not even it's it's not journalism. It's not good TV. Yeah. And the guy that does that the most is Richard Jefferson. Richard Jefferson is the guy that will, you know, say all that shit on first take and then bring that stuff to an actual NBA broadcast and during a game be like, this guy sucks or this game sucks. He does not like the He has it out for the Warriors, though, too. Yeah, some something happened when he was playing there. But um, yeah, it's just interesting to see where where this, you know, where this industry goes with play by play. And uh what do you think happened? What do you think? Sorry, man. Sorry, but where do you think it goes? Because, because my opinion, like I said, like I think things kind of stay the way they are. I think we get more of these secondary and tertiary broadcasts. But I, like I said, with the when the stakes are high during a game, I don't think the traditional broadcast goes away. I like to think that. I, I really don't know. Um, I've been wrong with so many things with how the industry is changing and what what people like and what people don't like. Like that, that's what I wanted the purpose of this podcast to be is like, can we just go back to talking about sports and then all the stupid bullshit that goes along with it? Like, honestly, I hate storylines. I stay away from them. And I know sometimes they're vital to talking about everything when it comes to, you know, the interest level of the, you know, sports itself. But I feel we've reverted back to not reverted back. We're, we're going to TMZ style stuff. And I feel like we don't actually talk about the games anymore. Now, luckily, you know, wild card games, playoff games, that's the there's, there's no like something happened where somebody did something off the field. All six games are about the games. There's no, you know, somebody's leaving in free agency. It's all about the games themselves. And I like that. But there's just so many things where, you know, you look at the data now and we appeal to the uh, the lowest common denominator in society now where they want to hear about everything but the game and it just yeah. kind of drives me crazy. So I hope we stick to traditional play by play because I, f- I feel like the games are my own escape from all the other bullshit that comes with sports. Like people say like I escape real life, just listen to sports and that's fire. That's fair. I escape sports bullshit by watching games. That's basically mm-hmm. what I, you know, deal with. Oh. One hundred percent. I remember working in, in radio it was like, what's the best way to get your mind off all the, shit we used to have to talk about and stuff like that or or all those storylines storylines that you have to talk about in day-to-day sports radio it's to watch the actual game 
Yeah, like um, I would love it. I love it when the Warriors would tip off. You didn't have to hear about whether or not Kevin Durant was going to join the Knicks. Yeah, like it was. It, yeah. After a while, it just got tiresome. The same shit over and over and over and over and over again. Over and over again, and it's that is the way that that definitely is the way sports media is going. And uh, it's not just sports media; it's all all media. It's all about everything. I sound like an old man, but like it's all about the clicks and content and engagement and any of the other buzzwords that you hear in the industry. Like we need to get our engagement up and this and that. It's like, yeah. it's like, okay, I get it. But like, at what point are we just starting to crap content out for the sake of just crapping it out? Like, cause that's what's going on. There will come a day where the, the broadcast of a game, and I know this is ironic because we're on Twitter right now, but it'll come a day where, all right, coming up next, we got the Super Bowl live on Twitter. That'll happen. And, yeah, yeah. And, and, and you'll have to pay for it in some well, way. What do you um, think about baseball on Facebook? Remember when that was going yeah. on? I mean, that's interesting. That's that's a way for baseball to stay relevant. Yeah. It's, it's but... interesting. And like the Peacock stuff. Um, it'll be weird when, you know, Big games, Thursday night football games, are exclusively on a streaming app. But uh, yeah. I want to bring the story up with you, just talking about play-by-play and broadcast, real quick. Um, this happened a week ago, but uh, I think his name is Glenn Kosor. I'm, yeah, I'm probably I think saying it. Pronounced, but I'm not. I'm not yeah. sure. I'm not familiar with his. He's he's the analyst for uh, the Washington Wizards, and uh, Kevin Porter Jr. plays for the Rockets. Correct. Yes. And he's the one a couple weeks ago that had the incident where he left at the halftime or whatever. And Kevin Porter play, played for the Washington Bullets at the time. Yes. His, uh, well, Kevin Porter, yeah. a different person, not his father. So there was a mistake made during a broadcast. Kevin Porter Jr. makes a game-winning three, and the analyst of the Washington Wizards says, just like his daddy, not afraid to pull the trigger or something along, along, uh, yeah. along the lines of that. And this guy mistakenly thought that Kevin Porter Jr.'s father was Kevin Porter, a former basketball player. In reality, Kevin Porter Jr.'s father, I guess, killed somebody and uh, yeah. went, to, went to prison for it. So it's an unfortunate mistake. Yeah. It's one you shouldn't make in broadcast. You got to know your research. You got to do, you know, you got to know your shit. And it's unfortunate that happened. And the guy has since apologized. And it's a terrible mistake to make. But... Again, in the society we live in today, everyone's quick to say, this guy needs to be fired. This guy is terrible. How dare he do something like this? It was a mistake. It was an honest mistake. Yeah. I don't think anyone in their right mind is going to say, yeah, Kevin Porter, just like his dad, killing a person. No one's going to say that. And, you know, LeBron James went on Twitter and said this guy should be fired. People make mistakes. People are entitled to make mistakes. And this Especially guy apologized. Yeah. yeah. It, it, so – that's something I saw this week that I didn't like. And I, I know you didn't like it either. I saw it and I was just like, man, like, you know, I don't know. Like LeBron, is this worth your time? A number one, like, is that, is this worth your time to deal with this? Like, I don't know. That That's the first thing. The second thing is like, I feel bad for the guy. Cause I mean, all broadcasters make mistakes. You just hope that they're not like of that magnitude. And it it does suck when you you know you do have to know your research and you have to be confident in what you're saying and all that kind of stuff. And he probably just that analyst just thought, oh, this and it just happened, just you know, flowed out of his mouth. That being said, he apologized and everything. So you're right, Derek. Like, there's no one in their right mind 
who's going to be like, you know, make a joke or something about someone's dad killing, you know, that moment too. No, 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 no. no. So, you know, honest mistake. It's sad that it happened. Um, It's embarrassing, but I mean, you shouldn't lose your job over that. Like the fact that people, because some people are acting like this is like the Tom Brenneman thing. And I was like, this is no, not even. No, no. I saw some of that, and I was like, this is nowhere near close to that. No, like, Tom, Tom Brenneman said a gay slur before he went on the air. Yeah. And he, he tried to pass it off like he was. He fired, he fired himself on television. Yeah, he, he fired himself from television and called a home run with most awkwardly in most awkwardly fashion. Yeah. No, this, but, no, this guy was calling a basketball game. He made a mistake. Made and a mistake. I would. You, my advice to him would be: just do your research better next time. But yeah. no, you shouldn't lose your job over it. Think about a LeBron. So, hey, LeBron's not even involved in this game whatsoever. LeBron doesn't play for the Wizards, and he doesn't play for the Rockets. What do you think about LeBron, like pontificating on just about everything with regards to the NBA? I understand he is the face of the NBA. I mean, we can say that, right? He is. Yeah, um, he, he acts like he's the commissioner sometimes. He acts like he's the commissioner. Exactly. That's a good way of putting it. He acts like he's the head honcho. And I'm just like, I don't know if this is your spot to. Yeah. Call. I mean, I I would say to LeBron, like, uh, you could say what you want, but you should also know, like, your words hold, you know, strong feeling with everyone. So when you say someone should be fired, then that goes a long way with everybody. Yeah, he could have got fired because of yeah. that. Yeah. And. You know, we talk about it sometimes, but like you shouldn't talk about people's money and you shouldn't talk about their like if you're in the industry with someone or in the same business, like it's it's generally not a good idea to talk about other people's money or their job. It's yeah. just not it's not a good look. I mean, I'm pretty sure LeBron James, if he made a mistake, no, he wouldn't like it if anybody said that about him. Yeah, I mean, it's different circumstances. Obviously, you're going to get, you know, scrutinized when you're a player. But um, yeah, I thought it was an unfortunate situation and hopefully everyone can move on from it and that guy's apologize. So sometimes we just need to, you know, accept apologies these days. Some people. Yeah. Just give some people a little bit of grace, especially when it's just like, Hey, I immediately after the game, he was like, I had no idea. Like, I'm super sorry about that. And he goes, I reached out to Kevin Porter jr. And like, it seemed really contrite. So I'm like, I'm not going to hold that against the guy, you know? All right. Along. We've been talking about these playoff games. We're going to pick them, but real quick, we're going to do Windsor Wangs. We always have a hot sauce challenge. And someone brought this to my attention uh, yesterday. And I know you're already joining this conversation. Uh, we may need to have a new hot sauce challenge. Uh, uh, Drake, uh, the rapper, apparently is uh, being accused by a Instagram model for putting hot sauce on his condom while they were having sex and the Instagram model is claiming that Drake uses hot sauce to kill the sperm when they have sex. It's the, the dumbest thing I've ever, <laughs> if that's what he's actually doing it for. Also, I don't know like, if I believe this. I don't know if I believe this. <laughs> also like, well, I love when you're like Drake, the rapper and I'm thinking like, yeah, he puts hot sauce on his rapper. Like, <laughs> dude, I Rick. love that. So at, fir- at first when you like texted that to me today, I was just like, I, I thought of, I thought of something worse. I was like, who puts hot sauce inside their condom? I was like, doesn't that just burn awful? And then now I'm seeing it's even worse than that in a way. Like, 
it's, it's, it, it's it, it burns for both parties. It's, 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 <laughs> so I'm just like, what the, what the, fuck? I yeah. don't get that. Is it real? Is this real? Is this a real Probably story? not. Probably not. I think this is just a uh, bullshit. What's up? What kind of hot sauce do you think he uses? Oh, if he if he goes like <laughs> that'd be incredible. If he like, uh, I mean, like it's, it's probably it's probably like Tapatio or something like mild. If it's think- like uh, if it's like uh, De Bomb or like any of those like ridiculous ones from uh, Hot Ones, then like you would like you know your so, your, your dick would fall off basically. With ghost pepper. No oh, God, yeah, that would, you, 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 yeah, you, you. Sorry, sir, we're gonna have to amputate it. It's, it's, it's not like, it's, it's not <laughs> well, happening. And then just also like, oh, here's the thing: this wouldn't be the first time we've ever heard of this if if hot sauce actually killed uh, sperm. Like, if hot sauce was a contraceptive, there would have been a dude who figured this out long time ago. <laughs> I'm and telling so, you. So the next this doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. The next White House uh, press conference will be uh, Fauci, not anything related with COVID. Just be like, okay, here's the deal with sperm and hot sauce. Let me debunk all these rumors. Um, it's, it's be the new Tide Pod thing. Yeah. Oh God. So, so I the, ask you, Alon, if you lose, uh, if you lose the 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 bed next week, are you willing to? Uh, hell no. Put hot sauce on a can a condom and put them on. Dude, I've had times where I've eaten like habanero or something like really spicy pepper, and then gone to the restroom yeah. and. You know, and then you <laughs> zipping up and everything, and you're like, "Yeah, what burns?" And then you're like, "Oh shit, I didn't wash my hands yeah. before I went to the bathroom." That's, <laughs> so, that's that's always the worst feeling. And yeah, for whatever reason, uh, this is more weird to me now that I'm talking about this out loud. I saw this story yesterday, and for some reason, felt compelled to get uh, Wingstop last night. <laughs> you were like, "Huh, hot sauce not a bad idea." <laughs> No, for whatever reason, I saw that story. Didn't phase me. Got wing stuff, and uh, I'm paying for it today. It's been it's been rough. Oh, it de- yeah, it doesn't phase me either. But uh, it's very uh... look. I got hey, ten out of ten for creativity. Like, <laughs> and and maybe that's homeopathic, like natural remedies. Like, I love that kind of stuff. But yeah. um, I just don't know if hot sauce is the way to go. Also, no. like, cannot cannot feel good. Like, uh, yeah, just uh, for no. all. No, no, no. Stings. Stings the nostrils. More than the nostrils. Pungent. But uh, that being said, Alon, I think we'll go to just traditional uh, hot sauce <laughs> challenge for uh, next week's bed if whoever loses this. But, uh, let's... In my eye, maybe. But, yeah, yeah, but... No, no, no. That's terrible. Oh, don't do that. Don't do that. Sport some hot sauce, but nothing nothing on the, nothing to do with my wiener. No. 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 All right. Let's do this. It's time for wins or wangs. Super Wild Card Weekend Edition. Who will come out on top and who will spend the next day on the pod? It's time for Wins or Wayne's. Oh, yeah. Here we go, Alon. Oh, yeah. Let's start this things off with the Raiders and Bengals kicking off at 1.30. It's rumored to be a snow game. Might be a little weather. Um, something that Derek Carr has not played in well over the years. But uh, both teams are relatively healthy. And, um, yeah, first playoff game for the Raiders since 2016. They're looking for their first playoff win since 2002. The Bengals are looking for their first playoff win since 1990. Alon, who gets off the schneid? Raiders at Bengals. Raiders. Raiders. I think think this is their best chance out of all the teams that they could be playing. So they got to capitalize. I like the Raiders. I think they they have what it takes to win this game on the road. I want to be clear. I am rooting for the Raiders. 
I think that this has been a fantastic story, and I nothing would please me more if they could find a way to win their first playoff game since 2002. Having said that, I like this team a lot. I just think that it's going to be tough to go on the road to Cincinnati and beat this team. I think Joe Burrow is playing fantastic. I think that the Cincinnati Bengals receivers will pose a problem for the Raiders secondary, and I still don't know if they're going to stop Joe Mixon. I know that the Raiders have gone through a lot of stuff, and regardless of the outcome, I think this season has been a success. But the Bengals haven't won a playoff game since 1990 for 30 years now, and they have to also think this is their best chance to win one on the flip side of the Raiders thinking that this is their best chance to win a playoff game too. I hope I'm wrong. I am taking the Cincinnati Bengals to beat the Raiders. Was Chris Collinsworth still playing in 1990? No, I think his last game was in 1988 when they went and beat, lost the Super Bowl to the Niners. Because he, he retired a little bit earlier than people he did. To. Yeah, he was an early And then retire. he went into uh, the booth uh, to do HBO and uh, Notre Dame. We'll see if he still is uh, doing Sunday Night Football next season. Might be Drew Brees. Drew Brees on this game, by the way. So we'll that'll be another added dimension to this. So w- real quick, we mentioned yeah. this earlier at the start of broadcast, and you kind of said, watch, this will be an opportunity for everybody to kind of take a dump on Drew Brees and how stiff he is and everything like that. Look, he's trying to figure it out. He knows he knows what he's talking about when he talks about it, but he's a little stiff. So I wonder I wonder if he'll be a little looser for this broadcast with Tariko than he has been in the past. Yeah, I mean, I didn't really hear him very well when he called the Saints and Bills game on Thanksgiving. I haven't li- I haven't heard him on any Notre Dame broadcast, so this will be the first time a lot of people are listening to Drew Brees uh, on an NFL game. Later that night, we're going to have Ian Eagle and Charles Davis on Patriots at Bills Part 3. Yeah. And we all know what happened the first time. The Patriots ran the ball every play, and they won that game to the dismay of Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde. And then the rematch, Josh Allen got to throw a little bit, and they won the game uh, decidedly. There's been talk about... Josh Allen being cold in the Buffalo weather. I saw like uh, Bart Scott today at ESPN suggested he take Viagra to get warm. I want to do that before a game. Yeah. Bart Scott on Get Up or whatever show on ESPN suggested that Josh Allen take Viagra to get warm for this game. Yeah. Okay. So this is more of this weird stuff that's going on in sports media. That's not even like an opinion. That's. Yeah, whatever. Okay, that's yeah. so weird. You might as well like take some Viagra, get some hot sauce, and have yourself a good time. Have yourself a good time. Really get warm. Yeah, what? exactly. Nah. Regardless of all that crazy shit. Uh, Remember when he got caught with Viagra? Who? Lewis Murphy. Yes. Yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but for the here and now, Alon, Patriots at the Bills, third time. Who are you taking in this game? It's going to be a hard game. Um, so, you know, got to get that Viagra for Josh Allen, but, uh, <laughs> no, I, I like, I like the Patriots. I know that the, the bills did beat them last time. And I know the rather unique way that the Patriots won the first game, uh, that probably won't happen again, but if for some reason, the bills, like really only seem to want to win with Josh Allen throwing the, the hell out of the football. And I think that if, if they try to do that, like are they gonna need to be more balanced? And I don't know if they're gonna if they're gonna be more balanced. So that's why I like the Patriots. I think the Patriots have the advantage with coaching. That being said, they have regressed. Um, the Patriots have. And Mac Jones is looking like a rookie again. Um, but I just I just think that they can beat the Bills. And uh I think after the game they had with Miami, 
eh, you know, just pre- press the reset button and get back to basics for the Patriots. The thing about the Buffalo Bills that drive me crazy is that they are a pass happy offense. And, I don't get it. And they don't they don't adjust to their own setting, their own home environment of playing in Buffalo in the snow. Yeah. I don't know if there's gonna be snow, but it's it's gonna be probably close to zero degrees come Saturday night for this game. I'll say this. The Bills are a better football team as far as the quarterback and everything else. They have great offensive talent. They're players on defense. Mm-hmm. I am taking the Buffalo Bills. I think they'll win the game. Mac Jones is, <laughs> Mac Jones is still a rookie, and he's you know I think he's regressed a little bit in the last couple of weeks. I would not be the least bit surprised if the Patriots win this game. It's just how it's how smart Brian Dable is willing to be in this game. Like yeah. if he if he just throws the ball up and down the field and Josh Allen's getting picked off, like it's not going to be a good day. If he realizes that Devin Singletary and Zach Moss are going to help him win this game, then they'll win. Um, and yeah, I just, you know, Belichick is a, a better coach than Sean McDermott, but I just feel, and this is crazy to say this, the Bills are the ones with the more playoff experience than the Patriots lately, this iteration of the Patriots. So I am taking the Buffalo Bills to beat the Patriots. I can't, can't fault you there. I just, but I do agree with you on that point. Like, I don't understand why, the Bills and Brian Dable, their their OC, are so intent on just chucking the ball around the yard when they play in Orchard Park and it's freezing. Yeah. No, I, I, I don't get that either. But hopefully they adjust. They realized yeah. that in the second half of the Atlanta game where they had to run the ball with Devin Singletary. Finishing out the rest of these games, uh, Sunday morning we got the Eagles at the Buccaneers. Uh, hopefully everybody for the Eagles is off COVID and Jalen Hurts starts that game. On the flip side, the Buccaneers will probably get some reinforcements back. I don't know about Leonard Fournette. I think Ronald Jones will play in the game. Um, you know, they'll have, they're will you know obviously without Antonio Brown and Chris Godwin. But I still think that, you know, despite all the limitations of the Buccaneers right now on with their injuries, I think they're the better team than the Eagles, and I take them to win. I agree. Um, as much as I like the Eagles, and I have this season, I've really been a big Eagles guy. I I like. I don't think I can pick against the Buccaneers. Also, is this the first time that these two teams have met in the playoffs since two thousand two? Yes, when they since played the, the NFC Championship game. Yeah, so that's kind of interesting too. But yeah, I, I think the Buccaneers just have too much experience and. It's going to be tough for the Eagles to consistently go up and down the field and keep keep up the pace that the Bucks are going to try to set. Then after that game, uh, Sunday afternoon, Cowboys are 49ers at the Cowboys. Everyone seems to be at full strength for the most part. Um, yeah, big-time game, big-time rivalry. Who you got in this game, Alon? I have the Niners. I, th- I think – it's kind of it's kind of funny. I, I expected the Niners to if so the Niners beat the Rams. I was not expecting that. And a lot of people would probably there's people who would say the Rams are better than the Cowboys, and there's other people who would say the Cowboys are more explosive and more powerful than the Rams. I think the Niners have a much easier time against the Cowboys than they should ever have against that that Rams team. Um I just I just think they're more physical and they're gonna run the ball better. And I think Jimmy Garoppolo is starting to click and uh it's a really good sign to see Ayuk have such a monster game last week. So if their receivers – Debo's going to keep doing Debo things. So if they can just keep keep going, I don't, I don't think this is as hard of a game as everybody thinks it, it, it could be. 
I think it's going to be a close game, but I agree with you. In the end, I think the Niners are the more physical team. And sometimes teams that just sneak into the playoffs have the mentality of, what do we got to lose? Let's just go out there and throw everything at them. Don't you just have a feeling they have the capacity to just like wear down Dallas on on both lines? Their pass rush has the ability to wear down Dallas's offensive line, and their and their their offensive line can totally wear out Dallas's front seven. And I think that their the Niners' defense is just going to be more physical. I think we talked about it already, but I think Kyle Shanahan beats Mike McCarthy in that matchup. Be interested to see how Dan Quinn what, what he throws at Jimmy Garoppolo and all of them, but. I like the Niners in this game, and I didn't think – you're probably surprised, everybody out there, that I was going to pick the Niners in a, in a playoff game and not the Raiders. So, joke's on you, everybody. <laughs> Especially when it would be so easy to pick against the Niners because you could be like, look at the Cowboys roster. How could I not pick them? I stay objective, unlike everybody else in the sports media industry these days. The only one. <laughs> All right. Well, then on NBC later that night, we got the Steelers at the Chiefs. Ben Roethlisberger this week has been funny. He's basically saying like, "Oh, we're the worst play. We're the worst playoff team of all time. We're not even gonna, you know, we're we're we're, we're gonna get routed. So why even show up?" Um, I think the Steelers, you know, they got their ass kicked last time these two teams played. It was thirty-six to ten, and Ben stayed in that game for way too long. I think it's a closer game, but I think the Chiefs prevail in the end. Yeah, I can't. I do think it's funny that Ben is being so coy. I, I do like that. I mean. It reminds me of like uh, Don Nelson when he used to talk shit about his own Warriors teams and stuff like yeah. that. Um, that being said, yeah, I can't I can't really pick against the Chiefs. I I really do hope the Steelers win. Like, because if the Steelers won and let's say the Patriots beat the Bills, the and the Raiders won, they, the Raiders would have a home playoff game, which would be really really cool in Las Vegas. But yeah, the 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 Chiefs are just a better team. Yeah. Um, it, now that being said, wouldn't it be insane if Ben Roethlisberger just had like a a vintage Ben Roethlisberger game and and somehow pulled this out? But their their defense is I don't think they can they can deal with Kansas City and all the problems that they they give you. No, yeah, Kansas City's just a better team, and Steelers are lucky to be in the playoffs. They're a good team, but they they're not they're, they're, bad. Yeah, no, no, they're, no, they're not bad, and their their de- their defense will keep them in this game. Um. Yeah, I, th- I think it's going to be more close than people expect, but in the end, I think the, the Chiefs prevail. Do you think it's a low-scoring game? I do. I, I do. do. Yeah. Um, and then on Monday, an unprecedented Monday night football wildcard playoff game. Um, there might be a Manning cast for that. I have no idea, but let's talk about the game. Cardinals. A weird day for a playoff yeah. Cardinals at the Rams. Um, obviously, both teams are coming off disappointing uh, losses. The Cardinals could have won the division if they beat the Seahawks, and that didn't happen. And obviously, the Rams could have been the two seed and won the division and knocked out the Niners, but they lay an egg as well. Both teams are interesting. They played each other. You know, this will be the third time this year they've they've split during the regular season. Uh, who do you, who you got in this game, Alon? This is such a weird game to me because I I really think the Rams are better. And you can already probably tell who I'm going to pick. I'm going to pick the Cardinals. I just don't like what the Rams have put out there last week. And really, they yeah, both teams have really you know finished the season and not in a good place. Obviously, getting beat by the Seahawks doesn't help Arizona with their momentum at all. But I don't know. Something just weird about this Rams team. Like, I expected them to be world beaters, and they should be. Like they got the quarterback finally. They have the play caller. They have the 
they have the best defensive player in the league in terms of Aaron Donald, maybe, right? They have all these weapons all over the place. They have two great defensive backs in Rapp and Rams. I just don't – but I don't think they can do it. It's, it doesn't make any sense to me. But, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick Arizona. I think Kyler Murray figures out a way to win. You think that they're, the Rams are going to lose after they sign Eric Weddle two years in retirement and he's coming back? To light a fire under their ass? Oh, I'm taking the Rams all day, baby. Are you really? I am, but nothing to do with Eric Weddle. I nothing think that's to do with Eric Weddle, though, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean that that that's one of the crazier moves. Um, because I guess Jordan Fuller's out and yeah. uh uh Taylor Rapp is hurt, but he probably you will worse. you could do worse than than Eric Weddle. No, yeah, you definitely could. Uh but I I, th- I mean Taylor Rapp's gonna play. I think Eric Weddle's just like an emergency thing. Uh him and McVeigh, I guess, are really buddies. So he called him and was like, Hey, you want to come play have a playoff run? Like, sure. Um the Rams have been disappointing for everything that's been, you know, hyped up about them before the season, during the season, getting Odell, Vaughn, Matthew Stafford. They've underperformed. They they should they should have been the two seed at least. And if, if they don't get to the NFC Championship game, this season will be looked at as a failure. Um, I hope that the loss to the the Niners lights a fire under their ass and they show what they're capable of. That being said, the Cardinals have also been, you know, they've been dominating for most of the season until they start laying an egg towards the latter half of the season. We don't know if Cliff Kingsbury can really get this team going because they went, what, one in four down the stretch? One in four could say that the that the Cardinals actually overperformed in the first you know ten weeks of the year. Yeah, that's true too because they, their so, schedule was pretty different. Um, yeah. That being said, uh, it's a long shot for JJ Watt to return. Uh, most of their running backs are hurt, from what I hear. Um, yep. But I still expect him to play. James Conner, Chase Edmonds, give it a go. Don't think DeAndre Hopkins is going to be good enough to make it for this game. So I am picking the Los Angeles Rams to win this game, but I'm not confident in it whatsoever. It's so weird because yeah. if I were to pick the Rams, I would feel the same exact I, – I just don't get it. Like, I was expecting this team to be kind of what Tampa Bay was last year. And – or just or, too much for them. Oh, yeah, or a better version of, of the team that they played in the Super Bowl with a few years ago. And it's just not – it just hasn't been that way. Well, you know, I think it's also – you know, we put a lot on Matthew Stafford in the first season. Like, he was playing well initially, and then – one of his best receivers got hurt and McVay, you know, while adapting to the offense and having them run the ball a little bit more, that's one criticism I always have of him where he just, he does his thing and he's not going to change. And it happened in the Super Bowl when he got beat down by Belichick, he was yeah. cocky and arrogant going into that game plan just saying, we're going to do the same thing we've always done. And the Patriots just took it away from him. Yeah. Deep shots. And it just didn't work. And yeah, and that game really was a drag him out, you know, slob slobber knocker where the Patriots defense just really beat beat the crap out of that Rams offense. Yeah. Well, Alon, we picked uh, all six games. I think we have uh, quite a bit different, so this will be interesting. And uh, yeah, it'll be fun to watch all these playoff games come um, come this weekend. Real quick, so we agree on the Steelers Kansas City game. Mm-hmm. We agree on the Niner game. Yep. And in Philly and, and Tampa. That's Tampa. it. So we agree on three out of the six. We split. So. There's we, some variance there. We 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 may have a tiebreaker come on the next podcast to see who's willing to put a condom on full of hot sauce. You know, who I want to know whose games. I want to look. I want to know Elena's picks because she always wins. 
So I think next, before before any kind of picking segment, the smart person will text Elena and be like, who do you think? <laughs> <laughs> That's actually a good had, idea. You had the balls to pick Jacksonville last week. Yeah. I mean, she did some outlandish things, and they all work. She knows more than us, man. She's Elena the Greek. She's got all the inside scoop. <laughs> the Greek, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she really is Greek, everybody. She really is, okay. yeah. All right, man. Um, well, we'll get everybody. We'll let everybody go watch the Warrior game right now. I think Clay Thompson is actually playing tonight, so that means he may take the tomorrow night off. But uh, they're playing the Bucks right now, so enjoy that game. Thanks to you, Alon. Thanks to Guy Haberman for being a guest on the podcast. Uh, we'll come. We'll be back on Tuesday to review everything that happened with the Wild Card games, and we'll have a great game. We'll have a great show. Um, once again. Um, if you watch the start of the podcast, um, you know, we're waiting for Steven to come back and we'll be waiting for him when the time is right. But um, we're thinking of Steven. And, you know, if you didn't hear at the beginning of the show, um, he lost his father a couple days ago. So we're giving him time to grieve. And when he's ready to come back, we'll open, we'll uh, welcome him back with open arms. But uh, we're thinking of you, Steven. We're thinking of you, the family. And um, it's just our opinion, man. But I want to end this with a moment of silence for Vic Langford. We'll see you next time, guys.